tell you world. Well, if you want to check, we're live right now. Okay. If you want to check. Uh, check, check. Yeah, you should be able to hear you and I. Howdy, howdy. Check, check. You hearing everything all right? Yeah, pretty good. Sweet. And then I keep the computer up in case anyone's watching and they want to answer any or ask any questions oh, or yeah. anything. Cool. People are shy, though. I don't know why. Ask away, you know? Yeah. But, um, yeah, so we're live awesome. on the Lollipop podcast. Sorry, uh, it always happens really fast. It's like, nah. oh, shit, we're live it's now. It's cool, man. You know me. I can talk up, you know, 100 miles a minute at any time. <laughs> I'm not shy. Man, you're the opposite of me. Well, what's funny is that I was thinking about how um, I had interviewed you from my bunker basement in Georgia probably two years ago. And at mm -hmm. that time... You were sounding real kind of like curious about what you wanted to do and if you wanted to even do music still. And it was really interesting to I had a great conversation with you. And, yeah. And and now we're here. <laughs> so, you know, the journey just kind of keeps rolling. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it does. So that is cool. It does. And uh, but I remember that it was a really good conversation. And uh, for those of your listeners who don't know about me, you know, I've been. I've had American Pancake, the indie music blog, for since two thousand nine. Yeah, I remember. I remember reading it back in back then. Yeah, and and what's funny is, you used to be fucking everywhere. Like yeah, I would run I into you everywhere. Like I'd be interviewing Karen the Lesbians out in some weird remote location. All of a sudden, you're over there with a mobile soundboard. I guess you were recording them, or I don't know what you were doing. I don't know. I was doing a bunch of wacky shit back then. And then I remember you from <laughs> I remember you from Tremors. Yeah. I remember yeah. all of a sudden you would be like playing drums in all these other bands and, and you know, and your band, you know, that mm -hmm. psych band. Um, yeah, yeah. That was really, really cool, kind of doorsy thing. Yeah. Why is the name is Mr. Elevator in the yes, Brain Hotel? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And uh and that was all cool. And um and it seems like you were just omnipresent. At one point, I thought, I think there's like three white Blairs, like they were triplets, <laughs> but they're all living as one person. Yeah, so yeah. to make it easier, you know, one guy that's could funny. date this girl, one guy could do this. <laughs> and uh, that's, what I, that's what I was entertaining, that thought process. I go, I should write a script about this guy and just make that up because I couldn't figure out everything you were doing. That's and funny. Then, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd had nothing else to do. So you I was just more carefree everything. back then. I just didn't give a fuck. People be like, you want to play? Yeah, let's play. You want to record our set at this venue? Yeah, fuck yeah, I'll bring my stuff. Yeah, well, you yeah. were just, you were everywhere. And then all of a sudden, your association with, you know, my daughter's band at the time and and uh, and recording them early on and stuff like that. So. Yeah, I mean, I played like some of the first shows I ever played, like, like real shows with Lovely Bad Things. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that that, that was the... Lovely Bad Things were kind of part of my story because they, her starting to do music and then me wanting to go see her, that's why the blog kind of started because I was like, if I'm going to be out here, you know, I want to make, do something besides just see bands. I want to, and I started seeing bands and I found out that the music scene at that time was really, really interesting kind of like when I was doing music years earlier. Yeah. 
And so it was like, like you, you hear about the proto-punk period in the late 70s, how fertile that music scene was. Yeah. That's what was happening to me, like in 2009, don't you think? I mean, Yo, it fuck was, yeah. 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 And so... That was a weird, it was like a crazy, you know, amount of... Explosive. Energy and yeah. bands and people just hanging around and trying to collaborate. And yeah, it was, was, that was... It was cool, and I just wanted to catch that buzz, and it made me feel kind of like, um, you know, how I used to feel when I was playing and stuff. And, yeah. and, and I still do music, but... But, um, so that was all really... And, and the whole DIY thing that was so different when I was, you know, I, our band or my different bands that I was in used to play like in places that are no longer around like um, Kazari's on the Sunset Strip and Starwood, original. Starwood, Mad- yeah. I, I know Starwood's not, isn't it still there? No, it's gone. It got busted. Oh, I'm thinking of somewhere else in uh, like the Valley or in Agora. Wasn't there another place in Agora or something that was really hip? Maybe. Yeah, I, we Starwood. Did, but, yeah. I've heard about Starwood. I've Starwood, um, they were in the Starwood. The guys doing that were, were involved in those uh, that murder thing, and I can't think of the name of it. The something murders, and in, in, uh, at that time, and he was dealing coke, and the whole club imploded. Oh jeez! But it was a weird, fertile time too, because like we were do- what we were doing, and we played the original Madame Wong's at no oh, longer yeah, there, cool. and uh, Renaissance Ca- Renaissance Cafe, and all these places that just went by the wayside. But they were all venues, and then when I started getting involved in covering the bands around 2009. It was the DIY thing was so different than then because it was all like warehouse shows and yeah, playing yeah. in between two buildings outside or whatever, yeah, yeah. or just playing loft shows or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I found that really exhilarating, man. I just like, I thought that's cool because you didn't have all the less politics that you have with clubs and venues yeah. and, you know, this band playing and this band pushing you to a later date, you know, time to, to get on, this, on the stage and all this crap. Seemed more like a community. Yeah. And, and so that was really cool. Um, Definitely. I feel like, I don't know, because I wasn't around back then, but I can imagine that a lot of those venues and promoters and, and the actual owners of the venue probably started capitalizing more on the music and kids being young and trying to, you know, fucking party. And, and it oh, yeah. ended up kind of burning out. Yeah. When I, whenever I think of Hollywood, I, I think of shitty, you know, music promoters trying to, you know, make money off of bands and kind of sleazeballing their way through. And I feel like people caught that drift. There, and there was like, a well, lot let's just throw that. shows in my warehouse. Yeah. Know? And that's kind of why it turned that direction. I think, I don't know. No, you're exactly right. We had, um, when we first started, my brother was in the band and um, there were some times where we were trying to get money that was owed to us playing at a particular venue and the next thing, next thing we know, we'd be in headlocks, you know, these big guys like, you know, roughing us up and, you know, it just, yeah, yeah. It, it was, it was less community minded mm-hmm. and it was more competitive, you know, big thing back then was like battle of the bands and all this oh, bullshit. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so if we were a local band in La Mirada, California, where we were, not very, very exciting compared to LA, <laughs> but what well, is LA to yeah. people that aren't from LA, right? I guess. But, but, you know, we would not want to associate with this other band that was, you know, in this particular area, we, it, everybody was like battling, you know, and, yeah, yeah. And, and talking shit about each other. Of course. And I'm sure that happens still, but the community, at least around um, like Lollipop and Burger Records and everything, it just seems so much more like, we'll help you out. We'll help you out, you know, this kind of thing. And I'm sure you've met assholes in the industry or yeah, of course. in bands. But yeah, for the most part, 
I found everybody to be pretty, pretty uh, cool and inviting, um, even seeing me, you know, in the corner of the room or whatever and wondering who that guy is, you know. But, um, but that was all, in that time in the late 70s and, and then throughout the 80s, it was a real weird time, too, because you had, you know, hair metal was kind of starting to go out, like Quiet Riot and those kind of bands yeah. were playing at, at the Starwood. And then, you know, while we were playing, I'd go at, at, uh, in the evenings and I'd go see, like, bands like Oingo Boingo. I don't know if you know who they uh, are. Of course. Yeah. yeah. X. Dead Man's Party. Yeah. X. X, yeah. Um, Blim Souls. Uh, all these bands that were playing at the Whiskey and, and different venues. And it was like, it was just... You know, and then the other times uh, we'd be hanging out at Tower Records, which is no longer there on, on in uh, in yeah. Hollywood. You know, rest and, in peace. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so I come from that whole time period, and then you know, fast forward, and then seeing this period now with all the DIY movement, especially with indie music, it like I said, it was exhilarating and just tapping into that. And you know, that was really just lovely bad things doing because I wanted to see my daughter play and yeah, of course, and whatnot and and um and so that 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 was just uh fertile time and that's when i kind of met you and, and everything and start meeting other people and other guys being able to get uh into festivals and different stuff and get the press passes and just networking meeting people so it was cool and then the blog the blog just kept going and we've been going for over 10 years and it's ostensibly me now it used to be about three people and now it's just me got it and i i'm still like like i just um Last year, I kind of quantified what we did last year through this algorithm method and figured out that, you know, I wrote about like about 700 artists that a lot of people haven't heard about. Yeah. Wrote two, over 250,000 words. Wow. And Holy uh, shit. Yeah. And so, you know, even though I'm just doing it kind of, you know, part time, I don't, I maybe post like four times a day. Don't go out go, go out to clubs as much because I, I had left and gone to Georgia. Yeah. And I covered some big uh, festivals, Shaky Knees and uh, different clubs in Atlanta, but I was just so far from it, from the, the scene, yeah. that I ended up just staying in my bunker in my basement. In your bunker. <laughs> and trying to do like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I know what you mean. interviews and, and, and different stuff like that, podcasty stuff, but, um, and trying to get back into music. And, you know, actually... Um, being part of the scene again got me back into doing my own music too. So that was really cool. So, yeah. And I'm still working on that. I, I'm very, I should really sit at your knee and just like see how you produce stuff. Cause I'm like the worst fucking producer. I can't music like, producer. Oh yeah. I don't think I'm any, that good either. I just well, fly so. by the seat of my pants, you know? Well, that sounds good. Let's roll with that. Yeah. You know, or, uh, that doesn't sound right. Let's not do that. Well, it's, yeah. it's, it's ultimately, so cool a time when you have all that technology at your laptop instead of yeah it's unfair it's just <laughs> crazy yeah i need a timpani let's go find some timpani samples on google yeah boom we got a timpani do everything in the box <clears throat> i think for when i what i've noticed for for you know writing about music and music always being a, a important part of my life is that there's a curse and a blessing with that man because everybody can do music now yeah so the, some of the submissions I get are so horrible. That you, that <laughs> yeah. you, you wouldn't okay. believe how horrible it is. I can, I can imagine. Ah, and so <laughs> with all the diplomacy I could muster, I tried to give them pointers or, or whatever. 
but and there's a lot of really bad music that's not technically bad, but it's just almost like morally bad. I mean, there's like, <laughs> I'm telling you, there's like s- still an element in like heavy metal that is so misogynistic and just so like yeah. evil toward women that you wouldn't even believe it. Yeah. There's stuff that yeah. I, I just like, I can't believe that I get, you know? Yeah. And um, and some stuff that I share with friends that they're just like, whoa, what, you know, you can't do that, you know? Well, no, yeah. People are doing it. And, um, but it's a blessing and a curse because it's so easy for people to produce music. Some people can barely be musicians and still put out reasonably sounding material. Yeah. And, uh, it was different back then, you know? So back then it was harder to get stuff produced, but there was also a different element maybe in musicianship or something. Yeah, there was more of like a filter. This music was more filtered back then, right? Like if you even had a record in a record store, you had to be somewhat have some That's sort right. of clout or have, be talented or have been doing something to catch someone's eye. Whereas now, you can go to a record store and then you, if you really look, especially if you go to like small independent mom and pop shops, there's thousands of bands you've never heard of that can self-release an album. And yep, and that's the good side of it. That is a good side. That's of the it. really good side of it. And you make your money instead of you know the the big record company making their money. Yeah. So that one I applaud. I, lo- I love that. It's just, I think it's harder for um, people to ferret out and find what's good and bad. So I think there's, that's why yeah. the music blogs are kind of good and stuff. But Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's, you know, <clears throat> the whole streaming thing too, really, through a wrench in the music industry. Yeah, a big think, one. Yeah, I don't think anyone invo- involved is, was really ready for something that extreme. It's like, oh, uh, yeah, let's just have every song ever for free practically yeah yeah. i mean that's like if that happened in any other industry it would crumble i mean you think about the car industry let's just give everyone free tires fuck it you know everyone needs tires as a car let's just just have them for free you know or for seven dollars a month and just get tires whenever you want i mean the tire industry would there's no there would be no coming back i would exactly right so it's kind of like right now i feel like everyone's just trying to pick up the pieces figure out how to somehow strive and get to the next level in their endeavors. Well, it's, and it's because, hard. it's because, yeah. you know, people at a certain point, people just stop respecting like artists in, in, to a certain degree where they just go, we can just take their shit. You know, we don't have to like support art. Yeah. They make good art, but that's what's scary for me is, is there's two things that are scary. One thing is that, like when you look back in the seventies and whatnot, you could afford to be a starving artist because you could live in LA or, or New York, even for probably like a hundred bucks a month, not in the best part of town, yeah, yeah. but you could live there even with inflation accounting for inflation. That's still cheap. You yeah. know, you could live and you could afford to be a starving artist. It's really hard now because it's impossible. Actually, yeah. I think it's, it's where do you live? Impossible. And not, you know, and try to be a hundred percent an artist. You you just can't. Whether you're a painter, whether you're yeah. trying to make films or whatever, you have to do it as kind of a side thing now because it's just too expensive to live. And so mm-hmm. y- the artist community is shrinking because of that because people just tap out. Oh fuck yeah! Especially you know? in a uh, like a sprawling city like LA where everything's just being inflated: rents, food, gas. People are either going to be moving out of the city or compromising their art for some sort of, you know, full-time job or a different, totally different career path. 
Exactly. That's the only two options you have. You can move somewhere that's dirt cheap and in the middle of nowhere. And then you're going to have other other set of problems or, you know, supplement your income by working some job that you don't necessarily want to work. Right. But or that allows you to do art whatever. in a, you know, fraction of what you would want to do it. But, you know, it's a lot of self-sacrifice. It is. It's, it's, it's more than ever because of that, because of that economic uh, crushing thing and also you know when when you were able to get DAWs programs and start doing stuff by yourself that was really good because you thought oh now I can afford to make my art but then all of a sudden that next hammer fell and people could just steal and stream stuff yeah so then all of a sudden th and then your yeah. revenue is gone You're like oh crap I can't I, yeah. I I can't I sell anything for anything so the only way to make money is, you know, tour or sell vinyl or something that's tangible. Yeah. And that's why the vinyl thing is huge and important. Yeah, definitely. But that's what, that's what is worrisome to me is for people who want to actually make money doing music. It's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's tough, real man. hard. It's that's tougher like, than ever. That's saying, like, I'm going to spend all my energy trying to win the lottery. Yes. You know? Whew. Could, maybe. You know, it could, it could work could out, but it's it's kind of like, tickets. oh, man, it's a big risk, you know? I feel that way a lot with myself. I don't know. Like, I'm just risking everything. It is. Hopefully I mean, it, things it, work out, you know, hopefully. Well, the one good thing about it is that pop music is so sh fucking shitty right now. And that's actually a good thing because it used to be you know, when all the music that when people talk about the Beatles and their longevity and how yeah. much they're, they influence people for for millennium, I mean, they're going to be. Yeah, forever, forever. Yeah. So because the pop music machine has been like basically force feeding kind of like crappy fast food to people mm -hmm. um, for so long, you know, they, they kind of believe that like Lady Gaga and Billie Eilish are like experimental or avant-garde or something yeah. because they don't know what they don't know any different yeah so now the good music that's being made that is really good i'm talking good in in terms of songwriting and melody and, yeah, arrangement, and all, everything yeah the whole, that's the in whole the indie field. world now where it used to be in the pop world yeah, now the pop true. world is like everything sounds fucking the same it's horrible yeah i know it's i know and it's the same reason you were talking about the car analogy you know like in in the in the 60s when People were designing cars differently. Every model wanted a different look. Yeah, and they all look the same now. It started becoming homogenized because it's easier yeah. to produce. Of course. They force-fed it to people so people didn't give a sh shit about art. So that's the same thing that happened with music and pop music. Yeah. So now the good thing about the indie music is the only place you can find really good music, to me, is independent artists or people that are at least doing something, you know, a little different. Yeah, um, trying to push boundaries and exactly. Yeah, and so um, right now, American Pancake has been. You know, I've gone away a little bit from just localized, and because when I moved to Georgia, I didn't really, I didn't feel like I was a big part of that scene. So I started really searching, and people are sending me music and artists from all over the world. You yeah. know, we just, we just, I just posted about. Um, some really cool Japanese bands that are kind of like fusion jazz. Oh wow! Um, this one called Monoslope that you gotta check out, man. Their oh. album is is Where are they crazy. From? from Tokyo. Tokyo. And there's a small uh, label in Tokyo that sent me uh, one of their songs, and then I I started delving to the, the album they just put out. Just crazy, just 
you would love it because it's these two girls. Uh, Mommy Mayaki, I think, is one. I can't remember the other girl's name. And I, I, I butcher the... And they just face each other with two pianos, electric pianos on stage. Okay. And then they got these killer-ass musicians around them. Killer oh. drummer. Drummer's insane. And they do... What's cool about it is they don't just do, like, jazz stuff. They... If they, they do a, they like Canterbury jazz, which is like a 60s type of yeah. uh, rock fused with jazz. And they do that, and then they'll blend in some post-punk stuff, and they'll throw some new wave stuff, and they throw some crazy, like, avant-garde, you know, Johnny Greenwood guitar stuff. And, just, and it, it just becomes this, like, potpourri of just bitching music. <laughs> yeah. Wow, I got to check that out. Yeah. I'll send you a link. But and it, I covered it about two weeks ago. And the guy was so grateful that I covered him because he was like, you know, nobody writes about our band, you know. Yeah, especially being from this, a different country. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and even today, sorry. No worries. <laughs> um, even today, getting on an American blog is real important to people from other countries. So, yeah. so it, the labels do fall records, a small little like cottage label in, uh, in Tokyo. That's cool. But um, so that, like that, Divergent music is a really good music now that I think if people discover it, it's going to be, you know, people aren't going to be singing like, I, I'm not talking down on Billie Eilish or whatever, but they're not going to yeah. be singing her songs like 50 years from now. Yeah. Because it's more beat-based and it's just a little different. Yeah. And, and I, I love all kinds of music, but, um, but I'm just saying the pop music, you know, the fact that Taylor Swift won like the AMA, like, decade you know artist decade yeah, of the year or whatever yeah. just kind of ma made me kind of throw up in my mouth when yeah I heard that. yeah man it's, it's i don't know i don't know how, i don't know what to make of it i feel a similar way that you do yeah but um it's more of a question of will will the independent artists ever get any sort of mainstream publicity or attention i don't know that and that's the sad part to me i guess some of them do maybe Maybe some of them do, but a lot, a lot of them just don't. No. And Even somebody as huge as like Bon Iver, he, he, he still wouldn't call him mainstream. Yeah, I wouldn't. But no. I think that's like where he is at level is a comfortable place for any artist that would dream of, right? Yeah, of course. Or, or Florence and the Machine, Flo the Machine or whatever. That kind of where you're not like everybody doesn't know about you. Like you're, you go to like Christmas and half the table doesn't know about him, like your aunt and uncle or whatever. Like who yeah. knows? Uh, you know. Yeah. But that's not important as as important as like they they're they're they've attained a certain level but uh, oh shit <laughs> let me turn the light on i didn't even know these were on a fucking in the dark with Wyatt romantic sounds with Wyatt and rob yeah, that trips me out some of the lights in this place just do that but some don't so uh, yeah i don't yeah. know sometimes that that's never really happened where it just randomly oh, as i'm in the room <laughs> but uh I've noticed there's times I'll turn the light on, I'll go step outside or do something, and I'll come back. Like, why is it pitch black in here? Right. Well, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm like you. I'm just keeping keeping on and just, I don't know what else to do. I just, like, have to do the blog. Yeah, man. A few times I wanted to throw the towel in, um, but now I'm kind of um, just setting up a Patreon page and trying to, trying to get more into podcasting. Badass. As, as you were doing, because the podcasts I've been doing, um, or just, I just play music and talk about the new artists trying to get more exposure for them. Yeah. But I like what you're doing here where you're able to talk to other people and just kind of face to face. 
That's cool. I don't know, man. I think I think uh, I can't speak for anybody beside myself, but I think the, it's it's more than just the music now. Unfortunately, it really should just be about the music. You know, you like this artist; their music's amazing. You support them. You buy their stuff. You see them when they come to your town. But uh, I I don't know if it has to do with the f- like film industry or or what. But people want to know more than just yeah. the music. They want to know like where you grew up. What's your favorite color? I mean, they want to know. I'm the same way. I'm. Oh yeah. You know, know I find story. that shit super interesting. You know, watching Paul McCartney interviews about you know him talking about memories he's had with John Lennon and. Uh, meeting Elvis Presley and like, you know, all these things that's super fucking interesting. Right. And I think more people now are, are associating themselves with the artist on a deep, on a more personal level than just the music. So that's the sole purpose of this podcast is like, you know, get to know people that are around where we're around and people that are doing stuff and supporting art like we are and artists themselves and just getting to know them on a, deeper level than just you know their creations or their content you know well it, it's it's cool because it's long form so you're just talking and talking as much as you want like it used to be like people would you know know artists from just like a little five minute interview oh yeah that yeah. sucks you know so now that you're doing yeah. long form and that's what i want to do and that's why joe rogan's so popular and well yeah all the podcasts now really yeah. are just you know there's no script or no, <laughs> you know, go live, booms, you know, and that is what's really cool. And uh, now I'm I'm like you, I I've been turning more away from episodic television and stuff like that. Which at, in the end, at the end of the day, unless you know, I have some real some shows I really think are really um, supremely well written, and and I'll get into it in some series. But if I can just be like, you know, listening to somebody talking, kind of seeing what you know, what, what they have to bring to the table as far as their journey and through life and yeah, um, especially creative people and talking about the creative process. Um, and that's one, one thing I want to do with my, with the Patreon setup with the, the, with American pancake is, is also talk about, you know, creative process and songwriting in, in regards to how I, I attempt to do songwriting. I, I'm not saying I'm a good songwriter or, um, musician. Um, but uh, I think people find that interesting because they can just tap into something that they relate yeah. to, you know. Yeah, of course. I think that's just where things are headed. And you know? and music, as far as an art form, to me, it's the most like I call it being emotionally pliable art form. So like when somebody hears one of your songs, you know, they things in your song will trigger either some memory they have or. A sensory yeah. feeling or yeah. maybe where they were when they heard it or uh, that line that reminds me of so-and-so and somebody else will have a totally different story to lay on top of your song yeah and so it is a pliable you know emotionally pliable art form so that's what is really fascinating about music I, when i talked to you last time and I, I i hope i'm not talking out of turn or remembering this differently but you sounded like you had almost a um a question in your mind is like, music's bullshit. I just want to do something more important, you know, for the world and this and that. I remember we had a little bit of that discussion. Yeah. And I've had this discussion too, because I've, you know, all the time I spent on the blog and the time I spent trying to write my music and then not, not feeling like anybody's listening to my music because people basically don't, you know? Yeah. 
Um, a few people maybe, but I think that you, you know, on the other hand, like if, imagine like a world with no music, how like you would have the, the rates of, you know, it, music is so cathartic for people. Oh yeah. Even music oh, yeah. that's pop music or whatever. Yeah. Absolutely. Any, all types of music. You I would guess. have, you know, you think the emotional condition of, of the world and people are, is bad now. If you didn't have music and other art forms, we would be fucking going down a tube like you yeah true i don't even think a world would exist without it i I don't think it would either i think that's why you know cavemen started hitting a stick on a rock exactly yeah i mean (laughs) rhythm you know know, right i mean it just wouldn't exist yeah and i did used to think that way i still find myself also you you're talking to me while i was in like a pretty intense depressive episode okay i didn't know that at the time (laughs) i guess i was pretty hush hush about it oh my timing was off sorry that's all good but I, i was like going through a lot uh mental war um, and I, I do think I, like, okay, from, ne- from then till now, my viewpoint is my perspectives have changed a bit. One, because I don't think you as a person can, uh, offer anything constructive or any sort of positivity, um, or love in the world if you're not happy. And you're I exactly kind of right. realized that life is, is selfish. I've always known that, but I've always been really cynical um, in terms of like, oh, fucking everyone's out to get theirs and gimme, 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 everything's mine. Um, and that's not necessarily the best avenue of, of trying to find that sense of purpose or being content, but doing something positive and, you know, like music's not hurting anybody. It's not, um, you know, it, 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 I used to think the same thing, like no one's listening to my music, no one gives a shit and people just say it's throwback music and maybe I got to, and I'll start thinking all this, you know, maybe I got to do this kind of record. Maybe I got to do this kind of thing. But that in turn makes me unhappy, all those things. And I just had to like, f- you know, squeeze the juices. And I realized like, oh, I just like making music. Right. I just like creating things. Like I like cooking. I like making music. I like make, t- I like I'm a tangible person, you know. And if that's something that makes me happy, <laughs> All that's going to do in return is make the people in my life happier and less anxious and less depressed and feel like, you know, maybe they have more of an influence to do something that they want to do. And so that's been my perspective as of recently. It's a good one to have. I mean, because also if you're happy and um, I think people will gravitate towards you more, you know, um, and so it's not only just within your like microcosm or your family or whatever. So if you're doing something that makes you happy, you know, that that's, I, I'm like you, I don't consider it selfish and I used to, and I've always been involved, um, especially through my, my last em- employer, uh, who was very community minded and we used to do a bunch of stuff for food banks. And, you know, I think that's an important in- integral part of being happy too. Yeah. But on the other hand, you know, if everybody was was being a, and I don't even want to call it selfish, but just doing what made them happy, you know, they wouldn't be like also poking into prior, other people's business. Yeah. And yeah, I know, right? I, I call it prioritizing their happiness. If everyone yeah. just prioritized their own personal happiness, without having to like attach themselves to anything but just them and their being, yeah, I think things would be a lot better. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, that the most unhappy people are the people that will invariably tie themselves to a hate group, 
you know, or this yeah. or that, because they, they don't feel their cup is like empty. And so, you know, I, I don't know what you were going through at that time, but um, we all do. You know, I've gone through a lot of stuff, uh, especially somebody um, who's a lot older than you. And, you know, th that is something that, you know, um, is important, you know, to be happy yourself. And, and especially with artists, like a lot of artists are making art because they, they need to feel love. Like they want the adulation yeah, of, connection. of their music, you know, of, of people coming to see them and everything. And that could be a, a really um, horrible way to be. Yeah. Because I was like that yeah. when we were doing the band thing when I was a lot younger. And every, instead of be, finding the joy in the community of the band and making music, I was fucking like, uh, you know, a little mini Hitler, you know, like, I'm like you, you weren't at, you weren't at band practice at this time. You weren't, you know, yeah, you, for sure. The, the drummer, what are you doing? You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and so I made everything like toxic. And then one day after, like right when we started ascending and doing a lot better and, and playing the Starwood and places that, you know, you, people wanted to play and everything. I just friggin' like, um, you know, even though the guy told me don't let, don't do any of this bullshit about pulling people on stage and all back then they were really, it wasn't like, you know, at the uh, observatory or something where, you know, okay. you, can, you can pull people on stage and they can dance. So Got I purposely it. did that and stuff and did all this bullshit. And then I, uh, in the alleyway afterwards, I said, I'm, I'm fucking quitting the band, you know. And it was my band. So <laughs> yeah. what I was saying was the band was over. What was, what was the name of your band? At that time it was 210IQ, which is a stupid ass name. 210IQ. What, what the fuck does that mean? I, I think 20? 210IQ. I think my brother came up with it in a former um uh, not a former band but but a different lineup in the band and then he left uh which was probably not a good thing because you know but but we had something and he left and then uh kept the name and it's a stupid ass name you know I, it's catchy though yeah it, like i'll remember if you ask me that next week we got 210 iq <laughs> i remember that well what was, was stupid about it was People who would get in our face or something, you know, if, if you're, if you're, you know, you get a heckler or something or whatever, they invariably say, oh yeah, two, that's a total IQ of your band, 210 IQ, you know, because <laughs> there's like four guys in the band. So. Got it, got it. So, so that was why it was bad. But, but, um, but anyways, and then I just fucking, and, and I had like, why, and I had like um, a killer drum kit, two drum kits, because that was my first instrument. Got it. With drum risers, because back then you always had to carry your own drum riser. Really? Oh Yeah. It was crazy. What you would, the fuck? Oh, yeah. We had this. How do you even, does that shit, I mean, it was like a collapsible one. Yes. Had like we had a beautiful design. There was a band called Eulogy that was big at the time, and we watched them break their drum riser down, and we stole their, you know, their little design. And it, it was really cool because it was just like four sides that had uh, regular door hinges in it. Okay. So you pull the, you know, oh, pins I see, out. I see, I see. Collapse it that way, and then two sides, and it, it was a pretty cool little thing. You know, you throw it in the back of the van or whatever. But, um, so, um, I had, you know, I had like tons of guitars, all this gear and I was so depressed and just had it and feeling like this is taking too long. You know, we're never, go we're never going to go anywhere. You know, we're not getting enough response from the audience, even though we did have somewhat of a little following and some groupies and stuff that would go to each show. And, uh. And because I wasn't just enjoying the process, but I had to put all this other, like, 
uh, rules. Like you, we got to have this. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and that's why I just, I, I got depressed, um, just blew everything apart and I sold all my gear. Wow. And I didn't pick Holy up, an, I didn't pick up an instrument for like 15 years after that. Holy Seriously. Shit. And so I really, you know, when I go big, I go big. Like yeah. when I'm going to fuck, fuck my life up, I'm going to go big, you know? Yeah, man. I'm the same way. We can, I can relate to that. Uh, and so, and that's what I told, um, uh, Lauren when she was, you know, she decided to, you know, um, start playing do, in the band. Yeah. Do the band thing. I said, um, and, and she was, you know, she kind of um, used to hear me play guitar all the time in the house and stuff. And, and she, she says, you know, that I basically got into music because of you, you know, and this and that. And that's sweet to say. But um, I told her, man, don't get, don't let it stress you out to the point where you just want to, you know. Because to me, yeah. that was the worst decision I ever made. I wish I would have kept doing music. From that. Yeah. I mean, I wish I would have stuck it out, you know. But, and I said, don't, you know, do it because it's fun. If it's fun, like you, you're saying, and you're happy, people get that vibe. But, you know, everybody, everybody's everybody been around a band. Like after, you, like you like this band a lot, and you, you kind of wait around to kind of say hi, or, you, man, you guys sound good, you know, when you're at a venue. And, like, sometimes they're, like, total assholes. Okay, you got to go. Sorry. Gotta yeah. Get to the those next, are the gotta pe- get to the next gig. Yeah, those are the people that kind of hate each other, hate each other, hate themselves. Yeah. And, like, yeah. but the other... And, you know, the Lovely Bad Things had a, a good, nice following, tight following, because yeah. they were... They were um, cool to their fans but uh and and uh and and for them even it it you know eventually imploded you know yeah so um but you seems, know seems to be the case for most bands well <laughs> from my experience there's some sort of implosion that happens like a ticking time bomb yeah and something i, I won't talk out of turn because it's it's for them to talk about not me but um all i can say is that you know any band you're in is kind of like a marriage. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's things you don't do in your marriage that obviously will just break your marriage apart. Of course. And there's also, um, you know, uh, egos clashing and, and a lot of things and personal and agendas clashing and yeah, marriages just go South. And, and I think, um, and I've known a lot of bands that go South because of just, uh, a lot of things like, Hey man, you're doing too many, you're singing too many leads leads on the songs and you're doing this too many yeah, and you're yeah, writing yeah. And, you know yeah the whole stylistic thing too people want to you know merge their sound in a different direction than someone else in the band and yeah disagreements and and and, you know. and a lot of stuff and um and i don't know if you've you've uh uh had any of that that you could relate to directly but <laughs> oh, yeah absolutely i mean my my best friends uh probably the closest friend I've ever had to this day um you know the Mr. Elevator thing imploded pretty uh, bad okay so I, I can relate yeah it was and, not and fun. from the outside and I know I've only se- I've only seen you guys play like four times and I you know I only know you but from the outside I would have thought you guys were like this you know oh we were yeah, yeah we were that's the that's the hard part so oh. we, we were for a long time for years yeah I mean he was uh you know the closest thing I've ever had to a brother and we wrote a bunch of songs together and traveled, traveled together and lived in right. van, vans together and did the whole thing, you know. Um, but it's a similar thing. I think he wanted things to go a different direction for the band than I wanted to. Um, I was more involved with Lollipop. He was more wanting to tour and do the band thing, and I was more wanting to put albums out 
and record albums. I, I was more into like the actual making of album side of things. I was I not into you, touring. I know you love to do that. I do. That's like yeah. one of my favorite things. And touring, I've never just never liked that. He just wanted to keep touring, and I did for I toured for years. I'm just I just got so burnt. Um, and not only that, because you're producing other bands and everything, you kind of can't be like that. You have to kind of be available to p- other people too. Yeah, I mean, it would do a disservice to the whole thing I was trying to do with Lollipop. Yeah. And, and you know, n- none of that would have happened if I kept touring. Maybe on a way slower level, but um, so, so there's a disconnect there, and things happened, and you know things imploded. Are you amicable now, or no, no? <laughs> so yeah. it was it was bad. I am, yeah. I, you know, I, I am. I, I want to, you know, but it's not reciprocated. So, well, things but, take know. time to heal and 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 all that, but but I, I'm I'm one of those people too that um, I don't care if like bands end. Because all the best music made by the best bands that I like are bands that ended. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Beatles, a, a prime example. They were not together for very long. Yeah, what was it, six years yeah. or something like that? Four to six years, something yeah. like that. I, most people will say four if you really include when they really were together. Because a lot of times they were kind of producing yeah, at different yeah. times. Not even in the studio at the same time, all this yeah. stuff. And look at what they achieved. So yeah, it's kind of it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not insane. always good to be like together for ten years or whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah. the, just be there. You know, in the prime um, pixies. You know, of course they're together now, but they're the core thing before they got back together. Whatever was short lived, and pavement was. I mean, all the bands that I really um, kind of shaped me and um, Bowie. You can't really include because he had so many different manifestations of Bowie, you know, different yeah. bands. So he's more a single artist. Yeah, but, true. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's weird. And he's, I mean, it, it's still, a th- you know, he's changed the name to just Mr. Elevator, not and the Brain Hotel. And he's, he's still doing it. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Okay. So, and, and, you know, it's great stuff. Good, good for him. Uh, I just wish, I don't know, you know, I, I'm like, wish things were, were okay. I don't even really care. You know, we're looking back now because everything kind of took a crash like three, four years ago. It was really not that big of a deal of what happened. I mean, it's just, it could have been as simple as like, hey man, like, why don't you just keep doing the band without me? You know, I'll still support, I'll still, you know, be there. Yeah, I don't, I don't have to, you know, don't, if you want a tour, don't let me bring you down. Like, just go, go for it. You know, I'll be around when you want to like make albums or even if you don't want to make albums with me anymore, that's fine. We can just, right. You know, we could have just sat and talked about it, but whatever. It got toxic really bad. <laughs> yeah, there's. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to get too into it, but there's no. other things that were happening at the same time. I'm not trying to be, do but a yeah. Barbara Walters on you or something. No, that's that's make, all good. Make but you cry. I do. I relate to the, you know the whole love, love of bad things too, and a lot of bands. I mean, yeah, and again, so many bands. That's, I know that's what happens. So. That's not my place to talk about. I'm probably in deep shit already for even mentioning it, but, um, but uh, I just think that. I guess my point in just finishing this part of the talk up is that bands that break up to me, they should just look at like, man, I was, a, we did something yeah, for this long. Yeah, positive. Like- exactly. Because most bands, their core, like what they do, and you guys did some awesome, incredible stuff. Um, you know, focus on that because chances are, if you would have meandered just like a marriage that stays together too long, it wouldn't have produced 
good material. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Like, I agree. So, I agree. so I just think, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't, and, and I'm funny that way too with even people who I know who have got to, gotten divorced uh, in the marriage. I always, I always say, well, that doesn't mean your marriage was not successful. It just yeah. means that it didn't last as long as some yeah. other people's marriages. Why do people have to assume like, bam, okay, I get, you know. And some I get people, divorced, it was all for shit. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's not the case. It, it's, it's not, and so, uh, and, and I hope that all the members of, of the, the, I won't even say their name at this point, but I, I hope they, um, if, they're, if they want to get into music, they'll, they'll do s- separate things. I think they're all talented, so. Yeah, yeah but, it's, yeah, life, man. It is Bands. life. It's it crazy. Is. I see so many, you know, so many stories from just talking to people and just be, being involved with other bands that that's it's just really relevant, you know, really prevalent. Sorry. No, no, so. I, I, and you're exactly right. And, and I also think that in a way I almost, I'm jealous of like, um, artists and, as opposed to bands who just have the opportunity to go like, you know, Hey, I'm, you, you want to do a project with me? And then, so this, some band members or these people do a project, they, they do a project and they do another project. That that's something that when I decide to move back here too, I said, I'm going to reach out to some people and and uh, and, and kind of work some of that out too. Yeah, um, definitely. And this is the place to do it. I, mean, I may be calling you. It's it's a. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Georgia, Atlanta has kind of a. How, how far away were you from Atlanta? Forty five minutes. Oh, see, we're not that far at all. Nah. There's a lot of there's a lot of good shit happening in Atlanta, but. Um. I don't know. Like you said, you just you didn't feel as connected to it. Maybe you weren't there for long enough. You think that's what it was? I think it was that and that, um, you know, I was working long, long hours at the company I worked for. Um, and so that left me like little time to like, you know, do go to a bunch of shows. Yeah. I actually, you know, missed. I did something crazy. I. Um, there was a local radio sto- station that was uh, wanted uh, songs like, and and this is so stupid because I was talking about how stupid these battle of the bands are, but <laughs> it was like this competition thing. Okay. And the only reason I entered a song into it, and it was for original uh, music, um, was because uh, you could, if you made it far enough, you could play. Um, and and you know what, my mind is just totally drawing a blank at the name of the festival. It's a huge festival in Tennessee. Okay. I don't know why I can't think of it. Uh, Bonnaroo. Okay, yeah, yeah. So That's huge. It is. Yeah. It, so I, I, and there they have a tent, and, and it was gonna, supposed to be this big thing. And, and uh, so I went, uh, I sent this, I'm going to send a song, and went down the basement, recorded it live, uh, just me on acoustic guitar. And the guy calls, I get a call like two weeks later. Hey, man, this is an awesome song. You, you want to, you know, we, we need you to, come to this venue and perform it with with three other bands and you know blah blah, blah. i'm like yeah i'm like fuck I'm, i was like i wasn't like prepared for that yeah yeah i hadn't played like in front of anybody in like probably like two decades or something yeah. you know that could be a uh, nerve-wracking uh-huh i was like i was like <laughs> do i really want to do this you know <laughs> yeah and so i thought oh, what the fuck you know I, i'll just do it i only had the one acoustic and i, I it wasn't you couldn't do backing tracks or anything so I go, what the hell? You know, I'll, I'll just drive down there. And it was a really cool club in Athens. And um, then all of a sudden they call me back. Okay, you got to have like a half hour set. I'm going, I'm oh, going shit. Half hour set? And they go, well, 20, to, 20 minutes to half hour. Okay. 
And I'm like, and so I'd actually started writing because I, I put out two albums on Bandcamp and um, I had I had some material, but the, the like right now I'm doing more, um, I don't even know what you'd call it. Some people are saying it's kind of Bowie-esque music. Um, I kind of always thought your stuff was Bowie-esque. Yeah, that's what some people say. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you brought up Bowie earlier. I was like, yeah, you're, you kind of have, like, your music kind of, you know, sounds similar. I don't know. Well, I'm, I can tell I'm, your influence. I don't know if you like yeah. David Bowie, but. Oh, I love David Bowie. But, but um, and T-Rex, I mean, I could go down the line, but but that glam whole thing, that glam thing was really important to me. Yeah. But, um, but the music I was writing at the time, I actually reached out to my old bandmate, uh, Matt Donaldson. He's like an excellent guitarist, and, and he played bass in the band, but he really wanted to be the guitar player. You know, he wanted to be like Randy Rhodes, you know, or something. I mean, got he was it, like, it. and uh, he, was, he was really into a lot of uh, progressive rock music, uh, Bowie and uh, Bebop Deluxe, Bill Nelson, um, and uh, all different kinds of, so I reached out to him, and so the music I was writing was kind of uh, psych rockish, glammy stuff. Okay. With, a, you know, a bunch of like electric guitar in it. Trippy stuff. Sounds cool. And... Um, <laughs> So it ended up that I, I put in a, that album out, but this was before that. And, but I was writing, that's what the music I was writing. So I'm like, how am I going to do like 20 minutes of that on acoustic guitar, you know? Yeah. So I actually did, you know, about 20 minutes and it scared the shit out of me, man. Really? Did you enjoy yourself at all? Uh, or was it more just like biting your teeth the whole time? When I, when I went up to the, for the sound check and I just brought a, um, an amp and a, and a guitar and a chord, I liked the sound on the sound check. So then I got kind of stoked because I, I forgot what it, how cool it is to sing into a microphone. Yeah. Like and, in a room with yes. a PA system. Yeah. And, there's something cool about that. It's for sure. so cool, you know, because you, you, it gives your, your voice a certain uh, context and, 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 and feeling that you don't get when you're just singing yeah. into a mic and you're recording it. Yeah. No, it's and, like a real, it's real. Yeah. It's like, it, wow, it was, this is, a, I'm here. The room's dedicated for me, like singing in yeah. this, and it's fucking people around and shit. Yeah. And so that was really fun, you know. And uh, my youngest daughter was there, and my uh, my wife came to see it. And I didn't tell anybody at work. I didn't want to. I thought I'd get nervous if I knew yeah. people or whatever. So, so, so that was cool. Then we we left. They had an early sound check, and then you had to come back. So I left to get grab a bite, and then. Then when I came back, the sound didn't sound the same. Mm. And I felt like I, I started almost having <laughs> these kind of flashbacks to the way when I, when I wanted to, you know, when I was going, everything was toxic and I was yeah, young and yeah, I was yeah. playing. And at that time I was, you know, the lead, I mean, the, the guitarist and, and lead singer and, and it was a whole different thing. But I almost went, I had a little bit of like almost like a trigger. PTSD. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to call it that because it almost. No, I mean would, that's a form of it. Yeah, form but it PTSD, almost sounds kind of demeaning to like for people who really have it because I don't think that's what it was. But, but trigger is a good way, maybe. Yeah, yeah. and and I felt a little, but but I got through the whole thing because there was one point where I started forgetting the words of something. So I said, "Well, fuck, they're not going to know it's an original song," you know. Yeah. So I just winged it, and uh, and I'm I'm actually very good at improv. I I, I do the kind of David Bowie Dadaistic improv yeah, type of writing cool. stream of consciousness writing that's cool and so um so i got through it 
um, didn't go, advance to the next level, got, got knocked out the first go, go round. But it was an interesting experience. Would you, would you do it again? I definitely would do it again, especially in You now, would? Yeah, now I feel okay. better. And I like my music better. This was like a, a few years ago when I was just kind of starting to get back into songwriting. Yeah. And, uh, but what I would do is I would get, you know, I would get some backup. Um, you know, I'd, I'd have a drummer. I'd have, you know, yeah, a bassist sure. or whatever. And then I would feel good about it. Um, Dude, it's so much better playing with, with other people on stage. Oh, oh fuck. It's definitely. so much better. I mean, it's, that's, Play, just being alone on a stage and singing is fucking tough. Especially, I was <laughs> like, rough. I was the only solo singer. That it was all these like fantastic bands, you know. Um, oh, you were the only solo act. Yeah, oh, that would fuck me up. So, so that that was, yeah. you know, and oh, shit, and and there was one. Um, I got some good feedback, and I don't know if people just being nice. And then when I was putting my uh, guitar away, uh, this uh, I don't know. 20 something woman walked up and like, she's, hey, I really liked your music. And, and you know, so that kind of felt good, you know, and then at yeah. that point I was like, I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. You know? Yeah. And so that kind of touched me in a way that, that, uh, you know, and that she didn't judge me because I was older or this or that, yeah. you know, and I've always kind of felt younger and people usually don't judge me on anything like that. But, but that's always a fear when you get older and, and you're doing any kind you. of art form. Yeah. I, I think a lot of, I can see that. But I also think from the other end of it, I don't think it matters at all. Yeah. Like, in, not even in the slightest. But, um. Well, definitely, I will reach out if I, I'll, I'll in the least, I'll send you the stuff that I'm going to put out on the EP. Yeah, definitely. Man. Yeah. I'd love to hear it. Yeah. I got this song, speaking of Bowie, I got this song called Atari that I'm really excited about. Cool. Is it about the video game? No. No. <laughs> the, 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 the name doesn't have anything to do with the, with the, with the song. Um, and, and the, and the music is very, the, the lyrics are very kind of, uh, uh, out there. Um, but, uh, there's a particular period of, you know, station to station, that album, yeah. if you ever want to tap into some old Bowie stuff. Yeah. And, that's good shit. Um, right now I'm writing an article for the blog that, uh, is specifically about, if you go to YouTube and you type in the beat club. 1978 Bowie performance and you can wait till I post it because I'm going to link to that performance but he played um, in this club and they televised it and then he put an album out over uh, about it and uh, it's just so badass man huh it is just it's a 1978 can you is it is it like not a public album or what no, no, it's a public album. Okay. You can get the album came out, um, and they put a bunch of because um, he was playing in a lot of German clubs, so they put a lot of live performances all on one album. Oh, I see. What you're saying, I forget yeah. the name of the album, but the video you are you can find videos out because that beat club was televised. But it's just a t it's just a different time, you know. It's like what I was thinking about when I was watching it, um, and it's only like forty minutes long. Uh, it's before like guitar tuners. You know, I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. that's how old it is. Like, got it. When it's you a whole different. It, yeah, it's like world. it's a whole different world. You know, like everything's played live, you know, no programming. And but the thing that struck me was about guitar tuners, because I was thinking like, you know, there's freaking people now that are maybe good guitarists, but their ears really bad because they've always used a guitar tuner. Yeah. So they never had to tune by ear. It's true. 
And it's always bothered me, you know. Yeah. It's like tune your fucking guitar, like develop that ear, you know. Yeah. And I'm probably probably being ridiculous about it, but anyways, no, but no, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. It's the same with you know, a lot of people are recording using a bunch of samples, which I think is fun, and I do that too sometimes. But it's like, man, you know, learn to record a drum set. Like, yeah. Or like a, an instrument without using MIDI, you know. Exactly, and and without everything being quantized. Yeah, exactly. Because I don't think you have to have everything perfectly on beat to feel the groove. You know, sometimes you listen to older albums and like they're in the pocket and everything, but yeah, it's slightly off. That's what makes it feel. They're a little bit ahead of the beat. They're right on top. It's quantized music. I I don't, and you you might even do you know, quantizing because it when you're cutting and pasting, yeah, you have to sometimes do that. It makes the most sense, but. Um, I still long for the time when you record bands and they're all like facing each other and this is recording it. And yeah. Try to get the isolation as much as you can. But yeah, you, that's you the can, that's where the best shit happens. It is the best. It is. You can't, there's no faking that. It's just real. It's either like happening or it's not happening. Yeah. You know. And on this particular um, YouTube video, Adrian, uh, Adrian Ballou is the guitarist. Man, that guy is fucking awesome. And uh, he played with Bowie a lot. Plus, you know, uh, Robert Fripp and uh, Mick I gotta, Ronson. I gotta check that out. Yeah, it, Bowie yeah. is an artist too. Who, when when he's playing with really good musicians, and he's just watching him, he's got this like inner glow, like this smile on his face. Like he really he's appreciates. Yeah. Like he always surrounded himself with really good musicians. He's smart that way, and uh, and that's why a lot of that old stuff is just so good. Yeah, um, I gotta get. I haven't listened to Bowie in a, in a bit, in a quick minute. Huge fan though. Well, I decided um, just for inspiration for some of the writing I'm doing, I go, yeah, I'm just gonna tap into some of the old stuff. Uh, not that I, I I don't have any disdain for like new stuff or you know whatever Tame Impala or whoever you want to uh, a new artist now, but um, I think some of the their decisions on where they go with chord changes and stuff. Is real interesting, you know. Yeah, I listen to Tom York a lot. I like, yeah, yeah. I like Radiohead, and just when you listen to some of his decisions on on, on where he moves with, with his his chord changes or augmenting something, or it harkens back to a lot of that old music. So I said, yeah. "Fuck it, I'm just gonna listen to some of the old music. Listen to old T Rex records." Yeah, yeah, just cool. It's great stuff. stuff, man. That's great stuff. So let me ask you uh, a few questions. Sure. That I've always been curious about because I obviously I've seen you drumming a bunch of bands so i know you're a drummer i've videotaped you uh when you were doing your banana dream stuff and, oh yeah yeah and uh and in fact one of the, one of the uh videos i have up on uh our U- the youtube youtube channel is of you playing uh uh a telephone operator oh yeah. yeah yeah and uh and so i know you're a guitarist if you're a guitarist you're probably a bass player because most people are if you're true, I mean, true. somewhat you can play bass yeah, i mean yeah. um, they go hand in hand i don't know do you dabble in keys at all or yeah recently yeah i dabble in keys i can't i'm not like a shredder i can't you know it's not like you can throw a book of piano music and i'll just ace it but you know give me some chords and i can so I can do you do compose at all on 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 the piano or just on guitar uh the, the recent the stuff that i'm coming out about to come out with has been all stuff that I've been doing on keys specifically just because I'm trying to push myself but it's more recent thing yeah that's cool 
I wish I learned keyboard like piano first. I feel like people that have a grip on piano and, and just the layout have a, a really good grip on everything. So, but I'm, I'm learning. I took piano lessons and I failed miserably. So really? I just stuck with the guitar. But my first instrument was drums. And I came from a time, you know, Robert, um, what am I saying, Robert? Neil Peart. Oh, Peart, yeah. Peart. Rest in peace. Yeah, he just, he just passed away. And I come from a period of, you know, him and Ginger Baker and all these like they classic. Were the, they were the dudes. Yeah. And so when I, when I um, was playing drums, I had this huge, humongous double kick, um, Rogers, wood grain. Yeah, yeah. That's what I learned. All the toms. Yeah, yeah. All the silly, (laughs) stupid little ones. Splash symbols. And and then I had you the wind chimes and all this stupid stuff. And now I hate that. You know, I I like a little integrated four or five piece set, you know. Yeah. Um, And I think that's all you really need. And I'm always impressed with guys who um, play a small set but get a big sound out of it, you know. And and that's one thing that I I sold is I sold uh, that set and I sold my Ludwig set. And I haven't played drums in a long time, but that's one thing I want to, once I get a place, I, I, I got to get a kit again, man. So I might be asking you like, hey, what kind of kit should I get? Um, Dude, it's so, it's so therapeutic. Just a bash on drums for like a half an hour. And I've sat Ooh. at people's kits before and I haven't, I've lost a lot, but I, it's something you can, it's like riding a bike in yeah, a way. Yeah, you, you got know? it. And it's so. Hand, hand, foot coordination. Yeah. And once you get it, you just, you get it. And that came easy for me when I was, I was learning to play drums. And that's the main thing that a good drummer has is that separating your, your kick drum from every, everything yeah. else in your head. So, yeah, yeah. so but, but I'm not, um, you know a lot bit more than I because I just play guitar and I, I'm a horrible lead player. And uh, Same here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll play leads on, um, on the records I did, the two Bandcamp things. I did play some of the leads, but I wouldn't dare do it live. I just like get somebody to do it. I feel you. I'm I, the same way. Yeah. I, I don't Cause it was a lot of like, ah, oh, fuck. And then yeah. Re, re, you know. Redo. Redo. Can't yeah. do that shit live. No, <laughs> I wish you could and a little time machine and go back. Yeah. Let's try this solo. And, and as much as I hate to admit this, like, and I'll send you the, the link, but there's a song called bear, a B A R E, a seven minute, like psych rock song that, um, my buddy Matt Donaldson, like I said, wonderful lead player. And so what he did was he played like crazy ass leads on it. And then what I did and it kind of killed him a little bit, I just cut and pasted what I liked. Yeah. Which I was just saying I didn't like people that did it, but I did that because I was like trying to I was controlling yeah. my own domain, you know? Like of course. And he knew it. Like I wasn't like I was saying like, well, because we're twenty two hundred miles away, he was in California, I was in Georgia. I just go do a shitload of yeah, takes. I go do like and then but but I liked some elements. I didn't like other elements. And so, and he's like, what the hell? He goes, I didn't play that. And I go, that sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> and so. Dude, that's, that's supposedly how, you know, Van Halen did that shit. Oh, yeah? Right? Yeah. Supposedly they cut up his, his guitar solos and made them into like these crazy masterpieces. Well, you know, um, a lot of the really good Talking Heads albums, um, when he was doing a lot of Afro, Afro beats and all that kind of stuff. Well, was that like chopped up? Oh, it was totally chopped up. So yeah. what, what, what the producer would do, and I think it was Brian Eno, um, he would have them play and then he would just take one little section. He would make the whole song, then he would send it to David Byrne and David Byrne would think, think up lyrics, lyrics to it. 
And so that's a different way to do it. Yeah, it is. That's um, very, I don't know if you've ever explored that, but I, yeah, I think I that's kind of interesting. That's a very uh, forward, you know, artistic thinking. I mean, back then, I, I feel like that was not as common as it is now. No. Right? Like now, no. I've worked with people like where I'll send them a song. I have a friend in New York that's been singing on some stuff, and I'll send her like just a song she'll sing the whole thing she'll send me back all the different takes all the different harmonies and then you can just kind of pick the stuff you like like you said and just make this you know vocal take out of it then i could send the same thing to someone in china and they can do a freaking saxophone solo i mean it's it's really insane what you can do now you can just find loops there are a lot of songs i, I do where it's just a drum loop that I just copy and paste for two minutes and make a whole song from that. And it's crazy. Well, that's the one thing that I don't, what, what, I hate to do it, even though some people do are impeccable at being able to do it, but I'm not a fan of like drum loops and that kind of thing. Yeah. But I didn't have a drummer, so I did buy a, a, a program and, and, and create all the drum loops and, and it was easy for me being a drummer like it was easy for me to kind of like yeah after i got used to it of I course go, yeah, it's yeah. kind of easy you know because i i know what i want but exactly but uh both the records uh, and especially the one that was more psych rock um it, it's, it's all fake or not fake it's real real drummers but it's just cut and cut and pasted stuff yeah and um and that's one thing that I, i've I wish I didn't do that. I wish I could have found a drummer. On two songs, I um, did actually use a, a drummer in L.A. I would just send him the tracks. Yeah. And uh, and and but other than that, I I, I envy you because you know you have the you're able to use a real drum kit. Not all the time. Not all the time. I mean, yeah, I can, but there's times I don't. Like I'm I'm trying to think of a uh, a lot of. Um, I, there's one album I did where it was uh, just like a little, like desktop. I don't even know what you call it. You know, it's like desktop pads that oh, are yeah, like yeah. square, and there's right. like six. I think it was six pads. Right. There's some songs that I just used that with. I would just with the snare, and that was it. You know, uh, I didn't use any real drums on some stuff, but. Oh. It's but smashing. on some stuff I do. I don't know. It's fun to experiment. If you have, I'm lucky enough where I can have a drum set and do that so i think because i play drums that that's what that would be the ultimate thing is if i could get just a kit and uh a bass and then i could do the guitar and then i can perform my other things or get but but i i'm i'm totally um now being back in the la area i totally want to do some gigs even if it's yeah, just man. even if it's just some stupid ass place you know just to kind of feel that you know, I, it's always good to do something that scares the shit out of you. Yeah, push your comfort zone. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's always good. So I, I'd love to do that, and I even would love to do it with, uh, out if I could find like a small string section, that would be like crazy. Always want to do that too. I mean, this is probably one of the only places in the country. I mean, there's a few others that you can probably do something like that. Yeah, right? I mean, maybe New people. York, Nashville. Yeah, I don't know. There's only a few little epicenters of really like a lot shit ton of music and you're in one of them so yeah definitely and and that that's that's good and you know, you know we've we've only been here for a month so we're still kind of 
yeah. finding our way and figuring out what the hell am I going to do. Yeah. Um, I feel you. Where, where are you at now? I am. Like are you are you in LA or are you in, in La Mirada or La Habra? La Habra. Yeah. Okay. Which you're familiar with. Yeah. Right next to Fullerton. Yep. Yep. Uh, in fact, I just covered. Well, there's two people that are kind of like. Um, have you heard of the Tissues, a punk band yeah, out in I LA? Yeah, I've heard of the Tissues. I, I'm not. I can't picture I hear a song in my head when you say it, but I've heard the name the Tissues. Yeah, they're real. Real cool and really kind of, they reminded me of X a little bit. Nice. Just wrote about them and I wanted to kind of get in touch with them and maybe do an interview. And then there was somebody who was actually, oh wait, it was them. They recorded their album in Fullerton. Oh, cool. At a place called Hubba Baloo Records, huh. which I've never heard of. And I know Fullerton well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, yeah. I know, so I there is an actual yeah there's okay. um because you know some bands just make up a name and it's really no yeah no it, it's it's recent <laughs> but it's the guy uh fuck, i'm forgetting his name he had a studio in costa mesa and he recorded a lot of like the early growler stuff and a bunch of stuff and i guess he was like liquidating a studio and some guys i'm trying to think of um i'm not sure what bands they were in but they were in bands in Fullerton. they kind of you know got the gear and have a space for it and yeah I really want to go down there and check it out. Actually, oh cool! It's pretty. Uh, new, it's like a new, as of the last year, I think they've been doing that. Because I thought about doing a podcast from there just to meet those guys. Yeah, and then maybe if I can get the uh, either the lead singer Christine Neveros um, from the Tissues, or it's three girls and a guy, and but she's kind of the center, being the lead singer and whatever. Yeah, um, talk to them. I'd like to start thinking of places where maybe I can talk to a venue or someplace where I can actually say, Hey, once a month, I want to do a podcast here. So that way I can bring people in and we have a central meeting place because yeah. I can't do that where I'm at right now. So or maybe yeah. I'll call you and see if I could do it on, you on do occasion. It here. You can but, do it here. You can do it right here. Literally. Yeah. Cool. That would be cool. Literally whenever you want. Um, the door is wide open. Oh, you are a saint. That's the a, whole purpose of the space, man. You know, we just want people, we're trying to just get people to do things, make art in whatever fucking way. I mean, you saw when you walked in all the spray paint. That was right. all That was all just a white wall. And we've been working with this band and they've, we've been trying to think of how to photograph them and like have something really fucking weird. And so we just right. photographed them destroying that wall and we had a couch and they were all destroying it and spray oh, cool. painting the walls <laughs> and shit. Is so, that produced yet? The video and all that? No, it oh, just, okay. just happened like... Three nights ago, oh, two, wow. two or three nights ago. I don't feel, I don't smell the paint fumes. So really, oh my god, it was so <laughs> fucked. I lost so many brain cells yep. that night. Holy shit! Um, but yeah, this whole space is dedicated to just helping people curate something. So very cool. Yeah, you can always use this place. Cool. For sure. That'd be great for podcasting, or if we wanted to double team and talk to somebody together or whatever. Talk to you, man. You could use all this stuff too. We got yeah. mics and tripods and stuff. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. So I'm going to flip this podcast and ask you a couple of things because I'm curious. So sure, sure. what bands, since, you know, I'm always interested in, people always say like, how the hell did you find that band? You know? And I go, I'm lucky, man. People send me all this stuff. Yeah. I just have to ferret through all the bad stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and unfortunately, I have to, you know, wade through like, you know, this much shit to get find a little diamond of course but, that's how it is <laughs> but um 
but anyways, I got high boots, hip boots, or whatever. So, who, who are you listening to? Who is there any artist? You know, you, not current not the one that you're producing. Just anybody. Uh, just current artists. Yeah, just. Um, it's hard for me because I flip between listening to a lot of current stuff and then listening to a lot of old stuff. Yeah. And I flop, and right now I'm listening to a lot of old stuff. But there was this actually, there's a band called The Whiffs from Chicago. The Whiffs. The Whiffs. Yeah, they're fucking great. Wow. I don't know them or anything. I just happened to stumble across their music, and I just it's one of those albums that's so easy to listen to. You're like, oh, you, you, you get in a moment where what do I want to listen to right now? I'll just put that album on. You know, it, it always does it for me. It's one of those albums. Um, yeah, I love The Whiffs. What kind of music? A straight power pop. Okay. Just garage rock, power pop, really straightforward stuff. Um, I bet you'd like this band, just going back to the, again, the 70s, my, my kind of epicenter is a band called 2020. Have you I heard love that? 2020, of Oh, course. You, okay. <laughs> I own all their I used records. to go see them, dude. Dude, they were one of my favorite bands, that album Lookout. Yeah. And uh, the one with the yellow pills on it. Oh, ye- yellow pills is one of the best songs for a pop song that I've oh, ever heard. Yeah, man. That's like, that, that's the kind of shit. That, that's like my guilty pleasure stuff is like 70s power pop music. Oh, man. Um, I love 2020. It's funny. You see, I thought, I thought I'd be telling you somebody you hadn't heard of. Oh, I love 2020, dude. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we saw we saw them numerous times. But one, you know, back then there was this uh, Anson Henry Anson Ford Theater, or whatever, right off the freeway, off the five or one hundred and one. I don't know if it's still there, but it's an outdoor amphitheater. And so during the summer, they had you could see bands there for free. Badass. And we saw twenty twenty there, and we also saw twenty twenty at at uh, the whiskey in different places. Nice. But were they were they from L.A. I thought, or were they from like Wisconsin or something? Right. You know what I I used to kind of know their backstory and everybody said they were from L.A. But they weren't. They were from some, somewhere else. Yeah, that's what I thought. But you know they were one of these transplants to L.A. So then sure. everybody says they're an L.A. band. But which always cracks me up because usually everybody's from somewhere else that's in L.A. <laughs> like, yeah, that's true. You know, there's not a lot of you know Chili Peppers or whatever, but there's not a lot of bands that are just like yeah, born and yeah, bred. Ex. Yeah. But anyways, okay, 2020. So. The, the whiffs, because yeah, I'm, I'm taking a mental note while this is being recorded so I can go back. But yeah, I mean, the whiffs, like... I want to check like them out. Whiff, like W-H-I-F-F-S. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously I'm biased because a lot of the bands we're working with as Lollipop, I, I listen to all the sure. time. Like Beach Bums are great. Um, Cheap Tissue. Have you ever heard of them? Yeah, They're yeah. great. The Pesos. I mean, we work with a lot of different bands right now, but I'm trying to think outside of my little Lollipop bubble... Um, the whiffs definitely. Um, I'm not looking at my phone for. I'm trying to look up something on American Pancake. Oh yeah, no worries. I don't, that's a hard, that's a hard question to. You know, actually, I probably should. Uh, oh, I can't look at my phone, but the whiffs. Um, what else? Modern. I actually really like Harry Styles' new album. It sounds kind of crazy, but it's really good. No, it really doesn't because. That guy kind of surprised me, man. His album the rules. Like, I listened to it. I a haven't lot. listened to the the um, album, but I am impressed with that guy because you know he's from a boy band and all this stuff. But then all of a sudden, when he was doing his solo stuff, it fits within that kind of seventies glam chamber pop yeah, sound. Yeah, it does. Yeah, totally. That totally. 
that I, I'm fond of. So I'm like, what the fuck? This guy yeah. had in him, you know? I don't know, but he did something. That album's fucking great. Oh, I'm going to check. I'm going to, on your... The whole uh, thing. There's a few songs that are like uh, a little, you know, too shiny. Right. But um, it's a really great album, I think. That one, The Whiffs. Oh, man. Uh, there's this band called Diamond Hands mm -hmm. that are really great. I've, I've listened to... They, they have a new album out. And the guy in that band named Joel put some songs out that are really great. I've been listening to that a lot, actually. Um, got a friend named Johnny Cosmo. Put some stuff out. That's really cool. Oh, <laughs> I don't no, know. That's, that's but then I'll go listen to like weird you know, 60s music or 80s music. And it's flops, flip flops for me. Are you familiar with an L.A. band called Pretty? No. Um, when you said 80s music, it made me think of it because they sound like, you know, they sound like Roxy Music or Duran yeah, Duran, um, you cool. know, yeah. that whole thing. I love that stuff. And uh, they're, they're, they've been on like K-Rock and different things. I just wrote up about them and I just mentioned it because they're an LA band. So maybe I thought, but I think you'd like, I think you'd like them. Pretty. That's it? Just, just pretty. pretty. Okay. It's and a great band name. If you go to their Facebook, it is a good band name, but on the other hand, you look pretty up and yeah, everything else shows fuck. up. But You have to put pretty bands yeah, Los Angeles. Their Facebook is <laughs> uh, pretty, either the band and then L.A. or pretty band L.A. Got it. And then that, that's how you could find them. Um, I was trying to uh, find this. Um if I could because I can't remember the song um, but again when, when I was speaking earlier about American Pancakes kind of been the direction has been kind of not localized and and actually not album based either because my time I just haven't had time to do a lot of album reviews although I'm going to be doing like the uh, the Britney Howard album you know from the Alabama Shake she did oh, cool. she did this yeah, she did this really um, crazy album that you don't think would have come out of her from her blues rock kind of thing with Alabama Shakes, and and she's super duper talented. But I just knew that you had a real affinity for like power pop stuff, and that's why I was wondering like what yeah, you're listening I'm actually, to. I just opened up my Spotify because I forgot to have it on my computer. Okay, uh, I'm just gonna read off the shit. Literally recently played The Hollies. Oh. Joel Tyler Wall, which is the guy from Diamond Hands. Corners. Beach Bums. I love Corners. Oh, there's a band called The Little Girls. The Little Girls. They're fucking badass. I'll remember that name, obviously, The Little they're Girls. They're fucking badass, dude. Um, then they're from, like, 70s. Actually, I think it says... Oh, they're so good, man. 1982, sorry. And they're they're L.A. band. Um classic power pop stuff and sonic youth that's on my recently played that's good so. good stuff <laughs> i i um i'm making playlists too but i need to make more of them on american pancake and you know playlists seem to be kind of i hate to say it because i love listening to albums still but uh Everything's like song based now. Yeah. And absolutely. I don't know. 
um, if you were into vinyl when you were like in high school or you guys, what was the mode of the, what was the, what was the medium cassettes? CDs? When I was a little kid, it was cassettes and the CDs. And then it morphed into, I mean, that's actually how it was until the iPod came out, which is when I was in high school. Then it was the iPod, but you still had to buy music to, in order to listen to it. Right, There's no right. streaming. Like right. You had to go on iTunes and, you know, right. the best fucking Christmas present was an iTunes gift card. Which right. Like a $20 <laughs> gift card. That's two albums. Holy shit. Which, what am I going to buy? Yeah. So, but you know, that's for me, that was my generation. CDs, cassettes morphing into the iPod. And I hate CDs, man. Me too. Because like albums, at least you had the cool album cover, you know, which is artwork in itself that you like. Yeah, you can frame it. And then just the the whole aspect of taking the vinyl, even if there's a scratch or whatever on it, or, you know, you you hear that. That to me was was the end all. But... It still is the best. It's the best way to listen to it. It is. I think so. Um, But... The reason I asked that is, you know, I heard a, um, I saw uh, Henry Rollins is always really interesting to listen to uh, yeah. the, the way he speaks and his enthusiasm for life and, and um, I'm actually final try, records. I'm actually trying to get him uh, on the podcast. But, nice. But yeah, no, he has a huge record collection, right? He does. And, but he was talking about on, um, on this little uh, video that was uh, on YouTube and I, I, uh, Shared the uh, the blogs. Uh, I can't remember what they are, but they have to do with vinyl. But he was talking about, you know, how he listens to an album. How he, he's a solitary person anyway, so he listens by himself. Yeah. But he said there has been times that he has a listening partner, and he mentioned the guy's name. He said he's known him since he was 11 years old, and he says he that's the only person that will sit, you know, not talk through the album, but kind of, or if he's going to talk, he'd interject something interesting. Yeah, but he could sit and it made me think of like, like when you're in high school or whatever, and I don't know when you started getting into music, but I remember when, you know, I was getting into bands like my buddy, Mark, who I was in one of the first band outfits with, I was learning all my knowledge of like, um, the glam period of like Bowie and stuff through through his, his, through him. Yeah. So he'd pull out his Diamond Dogs, you know, yeah. album. And it was just such a cool thing. Like, we put it on. We listened together. But I, I don't listen together with anybody else since. You know, it's just, it's just like you listen yourself. But do Because you, you don't have to own anything anymore. That's true. But is you your know? experience like... Oh, it's totally similar. Like, do but you listen to albums? Or have you ever listened with other people, like a listening party or something? Or, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, so that's an interesting point. Um, I, think, I think when I was getting into discovering music and bands and stuff a lot of it was mixed cds and mixed tapes where someone would make a mixtape or mix cd and be like dude have you heard this shit have you heard <laughs> I this remember shit that, have you yeah. heard this shit for me that was kind of i remember i still have some of the mixed like tapes and cds that my friends made me when i was you know young and um it would have random shit that was and good you would times. have to write everything yeah. on there and he'd be like which one is that oh wow <laughs> And that's like that's how I discovered a lot of shit was through my friends making and I would make them for my friends and we would have there's times where we'd actually have I remember we would have a day like all right this Monday we're all gonna swap CDs and we would like swap our mixed CDs or mixed tapes so for me it was more like that type of that thing is hysterical but because sitting with someone and listening to music was more something I would do when 
I would get stoned with my friends. Definitely, definitely yeah. that. We have we get really stoned and listen to something. And like listen to the whole album. The Growlers or something back then. We're like, whoa, what is this that, shit? That's perfect to get you stoned know? to is the Growlers, basically. Yeah. So it's like that. That was kind of was it for me. But mostly mixed mixed stuff. That brings back. I, I had the exact same experience with, you know, with joy in my heart and in my pen penmanship, like writing all. Oh, he, he's not. He's just gonna blow him away because I knew he hadn't heard it. Yeah. So I had friends too that we would do that and we would. I'd be so stoked, like, you got to check this out. And then invariably, like, you know, sometimes he'd go, oh, this, is, this sucks. And it kind yeah. of, you but then know, sometimes burst the like, bubble. What the fuck? This is the coolest shit yeah. I've ever heard. But yeah. that was, you're exactly right. Like, when you're swapping, making your own CDs and whatnot. And that was, like, that was before people were doing it, you know, Napster and all that bullshit. And, and yeah, uh, but you had to, the, the, the thing is, you don't have to own music anymore. So a lot of it is, is you know, you listen to music by yourself. No one has anything to give you at this point. It's like, well, have you heard of this? Just go look on your phone. Yeah. You already, yeah. Have, you already have it. You just don't know you the, have it. At, back so then, there was more of like an emotional thing. Like, I'm making a little gift for my buddy, you know? Like, yeah. I'm going to get the gift back. And like, I had to buy these songs right. in order for you to listen to them. And you had to buy the CD. And, and yeah, you had to take like, the time to basically curate music, just like yeah, when I'm curating music for a blog. You're taking your yeah. time. And now so you're right. Everything's tapes, like Mixtapes take, you know half an hour an hour to yeah. sit there and you know it's totally worth it but now yeah you know, i don't know it's just spotify just look it up you know google but, google it you'll find it but in know? some way it's kind of come full circle because you're it, now it's still in a sense a mixtape because everybody's listening to songs you know? yeah it's a public mixtape, right. basically and um yeah. and so i think that that the long format the album um, and I'll send you some links when I get home of, I couldn't find them there, but there's some recent albums that just knocked my socks off. And there's one guy, and this is always exciting for me. So I li listened to his song, and I was going to just go, ah. I wasn't going to listen to any more of it because I go, this is just not appealing to me. And all of a sudden, I just, it was early in the morning. I was feeling kind of bummed out. And uh, had a low time. And then he said some things in his lyrics that just really, like, kind of, like, hit me. Like, oh, shit, yeah. you know. And then the next song, and he had a really absurdist take on life. That life is kind of a cosmic joke. Like, on, on that album, it's kind of like life is a cosmic joke and just, it's just going to fuck with you stuff. Yeah. And then there were some hopeful things in it. There's some humorous things in it. And not really in a style I normally would gravitate to, but the way the guy did it. And so I wrote up a, a, a nice piece on him, and I, I mentioned the album, and I started, it almost turned into an album review, and the guy was like kind of blown away. And I hope he gets some traction out of it, but... Yeah, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, but... That sounds cool. But when it, you know, something touches you, especially when you're at a low point, and, you know, and I was like, it was actually after I came back here, because I started rethinking, like, yeah, of course. Did I make a good decision? Of course. And, you know, I don't have any money right now, you know, yeah. like I used to and all that kind of stuff. And, and, um, but then all of a sudden he, I, you know, and, and, uh, I told, I told, I wrote the guy and I go, man, you kind of saved my life this morning. You know, I was, I go, not literally, but figured me out of a, yeah, a rut. you know, and, uh, and I go, that's, I wanted you to know that, you know, and I think that's what, 
this interview's kind of come full circle, but that's what man, music can do. That to, uh, it, music is important, you know. Fuck yeah! It, w- it there's no way that, that the world we live in would exist without it. There's no way. No, it, it, it just, would, just wouldn't have it. Like if it didn't exist, we wouldn't exist. That's how I feel. It. I totally agree with you, and uh, and I just hope people, um, you know, there's there's enough leeway with people with the way the world's going where they have time to make art now all of a sudden with all the um you know trump and all this fucking uh i wrote an op-ed piece too which i don't do a lot about the the soleimani um assassination but um now that's going to instill a lot of probably good music too people protest kind of music and yeah and things the best shit yeah and things like that and and Believe me, most most songs are still about going to be about you know the girl that broke your heart and stuff. Yeah, but, yeah. but there's uh, there's room for some other stuff. Um, I saw on YouTube too. You, uh, I was I was looking around. It just popped up because I follow you on so much social media that you released a full album on YouTube. But it was one of your older albums. Yeah, it was, uh, it was just a like a stream. I had. But I got to put that on. I bounced. I bounced. Uh, like the entire album as one streaming right thing and i forgot i did that so it's on youtube okay <laughs> yeah I, miss, I should probably do that in the future i like you know piecing that out like when it plays into the next song and all that but that's the one i did on a lot of it was just on a little drum pad like desktop thing it just sits on your desk well this is a little bit different but and and uh my buddy, who who was actually a guitar player in my very first incarnation of the band, and then he quit because he goes, "I can't do this. You guys are getting too good. I can't like keep up. I'd rather just like do sound engineering for you." Yeah. So then he became our sound engineer. He bought us he bought us uh, equipment. He he nice. created a sound company. He was doing sound reinforcement for other bands. Wow, that's smart. And uh, he still lives in uh, La Mirada. <laughs> oh, and, cool. Um, but. Uh, he had a um, Roland uh, drum kit, electronic drum kit. Yeah, yeah. But it had the actual, you know, the stretch heads on them. Oh, okay. Wow. So it had a really good feel to it. Yeah, the bounce back and all and that. And I thought about getting one of those friggin' things because those things. Dude, the new ones are insane. Well, you could play, I could, I could write music all times of the night and not yeah. disturb anybody, you know? Yeah. I mean, some of them now, they're so fucking close to feeling like a kit, the way that the the, I don't know what material that is that they yeah, use. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like a stretch, like weird mesh. polyester or mesh. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It, I love you it. You can actually do like easier rolls than on a real kit. Yeah, I, I know, mean, right? You know, because uh-huh. they, they bounce back a little bit. But uh, I thought about that too, getting like a stripped down uh, set. And yeah. that way I don't have to worry about mic leakage, right? Do it, man. I, I have I don't have one like that, but I have a I have a dinky one that I, that I love. I use from time to time. Do you know uh, Aaron Postian? No. He uh, he was uh, kind of around the whole um, band thing and, and did some, I think he um, directed the, uh, oh, jeez, Icy Creeps for the oh, Lovely okay. Bad Things. Yeah. Um, he is the uh, lighting guy for Garbage, and he has been for quite a while now. Awesome. So when Garbage played in uh, Atlanta area, he got my wife and I and my daughter tickets, and we went and we hung out with him and everything. But 
I was talking to the other drum guy, and he was telling tell me about you know Garbage's drummer, how he plays a real kit, but everything's triggered. Yeah. So all the sounds are triggered sounds. Yeah. Because they want to keep a consistent sound throughout. Of course, yeah, you and, can get those. And I triggers. thought that would be an, a cool thing for someone like you who's a real drummer, but you don't have to worry about miking, so you just get yeah. triggers for every part of your drum kit. Yeah. You know? I've done that, actually. Really? Yeah. That they sounds- work, they work. It's an added, like... I did a few shows like that, but it was an added thing. You're, you have to set yeah, up the kit, then you have to set up the triggers, then right. you have to set up the sounds, then you have to make sure the sound guy's getting the sounds right. all right and that they're not, you know. But if you have the time to do that, fuck yeah, shit's great. You, you know, playing in, in bands, which I haven't done in forever, but, you know, you obviously have and, and done a lot of it, you got to be like have stories about bad sound guys. Oh, of course. There's, of course, when, they're when everywhere. I, when I, <laughs> yeah, but what I'm saying is like the majority of the time, unless you're going to a big venue, like the Fox Theater thing or something or whatever, the Palladium or whatever, but I'm talking about your normal small venue. I would say that 80% of the sound guys don't give a shit how you sound. True. And yeah. then there's people who are really conscientious, the other 20% and, and you know, yeah. But it's horrible, man. It is horrible. My, I had, used to have a motto where, at least with Mr. Elevator, that it shouldn't matter. Like, I used to do the sound guy excuse thing all the time. Like, the fucking sound guy, dude. We sound like shit because of him or her or whatever. I was like, dude, if, if you're really a great band, it, should, doesn't, it does, does not matter. Oh, sure it does, though, because... I, I, in a small venue, I mean. Yeah. In a big venue, it would, for yeah. sure. Like, if you're at, you know, the observatory or you're in a big room, you need a, a legit sound person. But if you're at, you know, a little club, like a hundred people club, I yeah, really honestly think... You're if, getting the stage sound anyway, so... Yeah, like, I think if you can bring the energy and, like, you, you're there and right. you're bringing it your all, that's, people are just going to feed off that, not necessarily not being able to hear vocals really well or... That's why a lot of like guitarists and the sound guys going, no, no, turn your amp down. We're going to go, you know, they're like, <laughs> yeah. I want to be able to control my amp. Because uh, yeah, there's times where I, uh, towards the end of, because I haven't played in, in, a, in a bit, but towards the end, I would tell the guy, and it's, you know, if he started saying that, bitch, take the mic off my amp then. Like, I'm not going to, or I would unplug it myself and I'd turn the amp up because. You couldn't trust their, they don't know the music. If you're on stage, you're playing, you know when yeah. things sound right. Right. Know? And that's going to reciprocate in the audience. If, you know, you're basically what's it, a few feet. Of yeah, difference. yeah. So that's my favorite kind of venue. Same, same. I like hearing stage. I think my favorite is seeing a band that's really not mic'd up. Just maybe the, the kick drums mic'd up and, and and the vocals obviously. That's it. That, yeah. That's the best because you can hear what's coming out of their fucking instruments. You can hear the drums in the room. I love that shit. Like the smell, it's like it's awful sound in there, but it's yeah. one of my favorite places to watch bands. Play. And you're you're in the fear of getting you know actually killed by shot you know by electrocution. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And it's you know or picking up a parasite or some shit. Yeah, it smells so awful in there. But that's my favorite place to like watch bands play. And I know it sounds like shit in there, but I just that's when you really know a band's got. It's like man, if you can sound good at the smell, it doesn't really matter anywhere you play. Well, I remember like, God, what was that place? It it used to be by the Glass House. There was a small little venue. Oh, you, Aladdin Juniors. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Aladdin Juniors, you know, they had that little kind of funky stage. Yeah. But then a lot of bands, because they didn't want to hassle pulling their rig, rigs 
their, their gear down, they would just set up in front of the stage. So, like, I remember this yeah, one remember particular uh, show where crystal antlers were not on the big, they were just on the ground, and they were kind of almost in a semicircle facing each other. Yeah. And everybody was just piling, like, where the drummer could I think I was at that show. You probably were. That, that, one, that shit blew my fucking mind. It, it was awesome because, like, there was actually, like, people pushing next to me and what, almost running into, you know, bumping the, the elbow of the percussionist at the time, you know, the dude, that crazy dude that would yeah. end up in his underwear. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I, I wrote about that show, and I, I was taking, uh, don't think I took video. I think I was just taking photos. But that's, like, that being in a show like that, is incredible compared that's, to like a big venue. I agree. I mean that I don't even like a lot of times I I just didn't have fun at festivals because you don't have that. You know, you just have this huge, you know. And I don't get stoned, so maybe if you got stoned and you're at a big festival and you get to like kind of No, nah, it's not the same. Yeah. Not the same. I'm 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 I guess people can have their opinions, but for me I prefer intimate being on the the same level as the band and right. just being like, you know, in it. It is awesome. I love Getting it. Getting sweat off the, you know. I, I mean, that's that's how music. Johnny Bell's going like that, and his sweat comes off his yeah, hair of course, and right? hits you in the face. That's fine. Yeah, that shit's great, man. <laughs> there's not a lot of. I guess there's a decent amount of venues like that, but festivals have just blown the fuck up. What was the place in uh, Anaheim? The warehouse. The men's warehouse. The men's warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> like, I love that. Spot. Like the guy, if, if if your suit doesn't fit, I'll give you. Know, yeah. That's what it reminds me of. Um, yeah, that place was awesome too. Not as good as like, like I, I'm still saying that Aladdin's Junior. Yeah, that place was, was like, really special. That really was. I think it's still there actually. Really? I don't think they do shows, but it's still there. And there was like a restaurant, right? Yeah. Next, next to it or something. Right, right. Yeah, that place was great. I always say the smell. I don't know why, but it's just such a staple place for me. If the smell didn't exist, I don't know. What is the current situation with the smell? Uh, they're still there. They're still doing shows, but I think they have to move at some point. They just don't know when. So they haven't moved it yet? Mm -mm. No, because that all occurred while I was over there. Yeah, no, they're still there. S same location. Wow. Everything. Yeah. Does the alleyway still smell like piss? And don't know. I haven't been there in a long <laughs> time. But I, I, I do know that they're still doing their thing, and uh, that place is, is a special place in my heart. It is a really one-of-a-kind venue for, you know, I always thought that that model, and it is duplicated in other places in other states at certain, to a certain degree, but not to the extent of, you know, people volunteering. And, and yeah. Yeah. that's the model that should be replicated everywhere because yeah. you get the young bands who can volunteer, help out, and then get a chance to play there and, and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah, the shows at the smell, apart from, you know, I think the sound is is not the best, but I think it's beside the point, the smell. Yeah, exactly. That, it's, that's not part of it. It's the whole experience of, yeah. of and, and that stage is too friggin' high. But <laughs> yeah. besides that, yeah, yeah, that's true. It's a you know, high stage. And, uh, and I used to go out the back way and then just like, you know, do some interviews with bands and stuff right out, outside there. On that other on yeah. that other highway, so that was perfect. So yeah, it's that a cool was place. Just cool. I, I, I really hope. I don't know. Every every city needs to have somewhere youngsters can go and be weird, right? And experiment. With so shit. now that Lollipop has 
it's moved to this location. It's not in Echo Park anymore, right? No. So, and I remember when you had the Lollapalooza. Yeah. And, uh, and you had shared with me that they were trying to see your ass and stuff for that name and all this bullshit. But um, even though it was Lollipalooza. But um, yeah. <laughs> the last one I went to, like the, the Lollipalooza, the, the place was so packed, I couldn't get in there. Like it was like, I mean, it was just crazy. I don't know who was playing there that time I was in there, but I, I got to see a lot of bands at the last one and, and shoot a lot of stuff. But it was. Uh, it was insane, and and so now that you're here, and you're in a different you know location geographically, are there any? Because this this isn't East LA, is it? Yes, yeah, East LA. Technically, I mean, so technically there, it's Boyle Heights, but if you go four blocks this way, it's East LA. So, so would you East say LA. there's is there any kind of music venues of of any import that are in this air general vicinity, or is it pretty yeah. much you still have to go the no, same? No, no. Unfortunately, artists are going to be going to the places that are less expensive because it's easier to right. live, hence why we're, we had to move. So um, there's a lot of places popping up. There's a place called House of Machines that's just right down the street. Oh, cool. From here. Um, and they're great. And there's another venue, I forget the name of it, that's about to be opening up in this neighborhood too. And what kind of music does like that venue you just mentioned? All kinds, but it's it. What's House of Machines is interesting because it's a bar, but they serve food, so it's technically all ages, I think, or it's eighteen plus or something like that. And they have two stages. They have one big one in the back, and then they have like a smaller one in the front. Um, and it's great. It's a fucking awesome place. Big windows looking out you know, into the city, good sound. Whoa, I'm going to check really, that place out. Really nice people that run it. They take care of the bands. Yeah, it's maybe two-minute drive from here, just that way. Whoa. It's awesome. I'm going to check that out. If you know that there's a pizza place called Pizza Nista, that's really popular, like, around here. No. It's right across the street from it. But yeah, the place is great. Um, So there's stuff popping up over here. That sounds really cool because I knew there was I knew there would be new places that I haven't seen that I need to familiarize myself with, and finding a place that's divergent and that has you know, um, just all kinds of bands is is that's what that sounds like. And that yeah, sounds, House of Machines, man, I'm a huge supporter of that place. I love that spot. It's probably my favorite place to see music in L.A. right now. Wow, personally, that is very cool. The smell too. I still I just haven't gone in a while, but. I fucking love the smell. You're not that far. No, not that far at all. But house, house. I only say house machines because it's, it's fairly new to me, at least. I've just been going there recently. But um, and you know what? What's crazy about that is, you know, and I know you know and remember with fondness, probably like Trash Pretty. Yeah, to, to me that was like, you know, my favorite. It's just fun. Time of my life, you know. Yeah. And so, it's always floored me that there aren't any more because there's tons of um thrift stores and quote-unquote vintage stores in echo park and places that could push the racks aside and do stuff like that yeah i don't know if it's a matter of you know permitting and yeah, all that kind of stuff of in the city sure. like you know city pissed off because there's no parking and whatever yeah but 
you know, there's there's places that could be doing stuff like that. Um, that seemed like they used to do it more often. There's there, what was that? God, I thought there was another place in uh, the Laguna Beach area that was also doing that. That wasn't trash pretty. It was yeah yeah yeah. It was like a it was like a ice cream store or something like that. And yeah yeah yeah. I remember. Wow yeah, I do remember that. It was like a penguin or something. Blue penguin. Yeah yeah yeah. Like that. that place was like was really interesting that yeah, they would was, allow that. And yeah, it was really small in there. It was tiny, but I think if places were willing to do that, and they do it obviously at Burger Records because you know that that's uh, that makes sense. Yeah. And they have parking and all that stuff. But um, a lot of those stores that where other stores are closed or they're more industrial areas, you can do stuff like that because neighbors aren't going to complain, For obviously. Sure. For sure. But I would think that in this area and with the economy being the way it is, that there'd be places that would start doing that, like, you know. There are. But also with the economy, you don't want to get fucked by the city. And then all of a sudden lose your main yeah. <laughs> So it's a Guess weird... what? We can't make any money now. So it's like sketchy thin line yeah did you ever go to that place coconuts yes that was that was really interesting you know what that what happened this that's no well the whole thing i love stories the thing is uh it it was a bar it was 21 plus um but they would make the shows 18 plus till curfew wherever the city they were in so it was probably like midnight or 11 or something um but at least for me, I was going there before I was 21 and they never carded anyone. So, and everyone knew that. And I think it was part of why they did well because they were just selling a lot of drinks. And then they had bands playing there and it was like the coolest place to go as a 19, 20 year old because you can go get some beers, play a show, hang out. They had like some pool tables. And that place was so great. And then they got shut down because... They found out they were serving alcohol to underage ah. kids. But I always look back and like, wow, that place existed. Crazy. Crazy. That was probably the coolest place, in my opinion, down there. There's definitely nothing like that like that anymore. And, and you know, I mentioned Madame Wong's before. That's what they did. I mean, it was a Chinese restaurant, and they decided, hey, we're going to have, I don't know how she ended up having punk bands because, you know, it's this older Asian woman. But, um and there, there was a place that we played in Santa Ana called the Renaissance Cafe. And then the place in Anaheim, uh, Chain Reaction, which I think yeah, is still it's there. Still there. Yeah. That's the only place that survived, you know. That, yeah. And that was actually there. a club. Yeah, we played at that place. Had some issues with the owners at the time. But anyways, um, but, you know, my whole point is, like, there's less venues, you know. And, and it, I guess there's never going to be enough venues, but... It, it's i'm glad you uh that sounds like a bright spot that i need to check out that machine uh house of machines house of machines yeah it's a really good spot um really cool I in silver it. lake there's a bicycle shop that was doing that you know and i saw um some really good bands there including geez i'm not uh wide wide streets which is another one of those bands that were phenomenal, and they only put out like two albums, huh? And uh, and then they went by the wayside. Uh, but um, but I dig those kind of places where you can just sit there, hang out, you know, in 
in between either you know racks of clothes or bicycle parts yeah. or whatever yeah and watch, just like yeah yeah it's such a different cool vibe you know yeah have you ever thought or would it be too much of a have you ever thought of using this space for that yeah okay we're, we're talking about it but we're also like you know the whole city yeah permitting i, I would be uh, worried especially if you have a good good um deal being here and we do and and it's i don't know man we're talking about it though you've been thinking if, about doing like private shows maybe that's what i was gonna say like like a lot secret loft show or something not secret but not you open had to, to have, the public you had to have some sort of invitation or Just word of mouth make thing. it like a private party especially you could do that with um uh bands that lollipop are producing or yeah or, we've been talking about doing that specifically yeah. and that that seems more like you know plausible but i think public shows uh scares me maybe because i'm older now but that shit scares me it should scare you because again you have something here that you have to kind of protect and you know but i think doing a a small small type of one where maybe a few bands only play like you know 20 minutes set half hour set invite some people maybe bloggers yeah. stuff like that you know like american yeah. pancake bloggers no i'm just kidding but, <laughs> no for sure <laughs> but uh, well yeah uh, you're always invited anyone that anyone here knows yeah it's obviously invited and it would be just like a word of mouth thing yeah you know that's yeah. all it would be there would be no flyer or like anything like right the word of mouth you know maybe like you a, know every time it happens message. though there's one asshole who i know that just makes blows it public it for everybody yeah that's, that's the only bad thing. I know. You, you've been to shows like that before, house parties where, well, what the hell? Who's that dude? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, uh, but that, I could see that because you got a lot of room here. And it's, yeah. uh, and with your, you know, uh, fortress outside. I know, right? You could just open that little, <laughs> little people in or whatever. Seriously. Um, what you could do, this is what you could do, man. You could have like a, where they have to come in only by Lyft or something, you know, or by Uber, you know? Yeah. yeah. So there's no like parking situation the city can't go like and then you know all the people could just kind of uber in drop yeah. off i feel like that's how people would go anyways even if it wasn't you'd, a, yeah you'd probably have right? to i feel like if i go to shows especially people you know you know you're gonna drink fucking lift uber so easy i um know so many people you know you were talking about the we were talking earlier about the implosion of bands or whatever and, and stuff and to me, the the demarcation line, line in the sand is ten years. Of so, being a band. Yeah. Okay. It seems like after ten years, that's the greatest risk <laughs> of a band imploding. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, maybe eight to ten years, maybe. A decade, yeah. Yeah, and if you get past that, then you're probably okay. But I think that's you that's know, that's a. Uh, it's a long time. That's. I was I was I would say shorter than that. I would say I'd even say five or six. Yeah, I could see maybe. that too. But ten, and definitely, if you reach ten, you're okay. You're like you know, if you've gone that far, and just you know, it'll be fine. Well, you know, a lot of the bands that that all of a sudden are like overnight sensations or whatever, they've all been together for ten years. You know. Yeah. You know that. True. Yeah, I guess ten years makes that's that's pretty logical. I mean, that's really you can, that means you've gone you know you've been through some shit. So you moved here when? Uh, about a year ago. No way, that long. Yeah, maybe close to a year ago. Maybe so your months. exile to Arizona wasn't that long? No. 
No, I was out there for a year and a half. Oh my God, man, Wyatt. And I moved back. That's a crack up in a way because I remember <laughs> you were um, speaking in glowing terms of, uh, of I, being there I at do, first. I do miss it. And, yeah. and it was great. Yeah, it was great. Um, it's just the wrong time for me. I think I pulled the trigger. I think I was. Um, uh, I think I was getting really restless here. I'm also, you know, born and raised in this area, so right. I've never lived anywhere else, and I was just like fucking anxious and restless, and I was sick of being broke. I mean, everywhere else in the country is pretty affordable, so it I was like, "Fuck it, I gotta get, get out of here." So I got out, and it was it was great. It was really fun, and it was amazing. Probably the most eye-opening experience for me, just living in a rural Arizona town and meeting people out there and. I had a house because I could afford it. You know, it was quiet and it was dark at night. And you can hear, you know, you can hear the wind rustling through the trees in the morning. It was really fucking amazing. But it was just the wrong time. There's too much happening. I thought I could do it out there and run Lollipop, but it just wasn't the case. Yeah, that seems hard, especially somebody who has their, you know, you have your pulse on everything. You're kind of the guy out here, so... I don't, I, I don't see I you delegate. I don't see you delegating to other people to take care of stuff, and yeah, not you, and not worrying about it. You're, yeah, you're right. Yeah, so. <laughs> it was it was tricky being out there. So I'm, I'm glad I'm back, and I have a different appreciation for LA now. Definitely. Did the solitude, um, from a songwriting perspective, garner any results or or a different yeah, type I mean, of? I moved out there and I put out two full length albums in one year. Oh wow. And a single. Oh, this, I, I pumped out like 26 or 27 songs. Oh, you're so, prolific. Yeah, I mean, for me, that was... But there's a balance for me. Uh, like, with in terms of songwriting and recording, fuck yeah. That's, I flourish in silence and nature and being in a different environment. For me, it's like totally where my creativity is on steroids. But then, you know, I'm like an internal level, just being like a human being. Uh, I'm not as, I isolate my, I'll end up, I, you know, I'm like you, man, I'll go big. Like if I'm going to go isolate myself and live in the woods and make albums, that's what I'm going to fucking do. And that's all I did that year. And I became depressed because I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't have any friends. I ended up, you know, being inside all the time and tweaking on my songs and music and, yeah, it's it's dark different. St- it was, you know, it was totally different. It just so changes my, your psyche up. It does, man. My social, like, but the, my I, my actual mental well being was at risk. My creative self was flourishing, but the other side of it was was like irking for something more. So there's definitely a balance, and I think here it seems to be like that that side of it seems to be very fulfilled. There's people all the time around, and noise and. But artistically, it's a little tougher for me to be able to sit and like get a song done. You know, there's so much shit happening all the time. But you know, I don't know. To me, my my mental well being is more important than my creative well being at this point. Yeah, and I think I think sometimes uh, you think uh, relocating or changing in a big way is going to make oneself happier or, or change you know your outlook, and then you just figure out it's not really about that you know a lot of it is like your human connections and Fuck yeah. and and you know there's been studies you know <clears throat> a lot of studies done that uh 
basically say that the more human connections you have, and I'm talking about even just saying hi to the uh, nice lady at the grocery store, you know, the checkout lady. Yeah. It doesn't have to be deep connections, but the more hey, human connections you. you have that you're just communicating with, the healthier you are. Absolutely. And so there may be a few people who are so much a, the lone wolf that they can kind of be by themselves, but people aren't, the human animal is not built like that. No, you know? no, we're not. And so I had a similar uh, situation where, you know, I was in an environment where everybody basically referred to me as a crazy Californian, you know, cause my politics, my this, course, my that. Yeah. And, uh, I was also everywhere you go out there, at least the area I was at is all country music. I've, for sure. I don't have anything against any kind of, kind of music per yeah, se, that's, but that's, you know, and I, and I'm talking, you know, the, the state of country music, if you think the state of pop music's in the toilet now, you could argue that one way or the other, but the state of country music's really in the toilet. It's all bro, <laughs> it's all bro country. And stupid. Yeah. If you want to yeah. hear the stupidest music you've ever heard, listen to uh, the current state of country music. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. and I love old country. I love, you know, Western Merle Haggard, oh, all that old shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it's great. But um, so there was that, but there was yeah, n- not the that connection, and so, um, and again the 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 home we were renting in Georgia was like twelve hundred bucks, beautiful big home with not with land around it and whatnot, and uh, and you could buy a home like that for about one hundred eighty thousand dollars, and over yeah, here it'd be like a million, of course, and so. That's the main thing that really bothers me about California, and I hope that uh, California industries and, and different uh, governmental institutions can kind of figure out how to how to make affordable housing for people. That's a whole different thing for California. But other than that, you know, California. There's a reason people want to be in California. Oh fuck yeah! It's just some sort of like weird progressive energy here. I think it's just the weather. I, I was I think, I think about so. the same thing. Maybe it's like a magnetic thing, or it's the ocean, or what. I'm like I think it's literally just that the weather is fucking nice all the time. Yeah. You know why what part not of Arizona here? were you in? I was in Flagstaff, so I was way north. Okay. It was fucked, man. Those winters were fucked. So you got snow sometimes. All all for like four months straight. Wow. So much uh, my couldn't even open my front door and Whoa. city had them like yeah I mean it was so that's different. Was, for me, yeah, it was totally shocking. I thought I would have liked it. I fucking hated it. <laughs> I, I'm like, I'm, I, t- maybe I'm spoiled because I grew up here, but it's like, man, I'm never living. Well, here. you're Dana Point boy, so I mean, yeah, I'm spoiled. I'm spoiled. <laughs> I'm spoiled for sure. I mean, I was like, man, I can't. This shit's fucked. Like, I need to be. I could probably live in the desert and be pretty happy. I'm a sun sun guy. Well, I like, I like. Warmth. I think there might be something to, you know, being near the ocean. Yeah. Even even in L.A., you're not far from the ocean. No, really close. But being, you know, um, obviously Georgia, there's it's it has a coastline too. But yeah. where we were was completely kind of landlocked, and and I'm somebody who, you know, um, I don't surf anymore. But I was like a major surfer in, in all through high school and past high school. I, I was surfing be, before class, you know, yeah. and that was a big part of the the culture, and something about california and to some to a certain degree you, f- you feel it in new york too the diversity just spawns like people able to get along a little bit better 
Or yeah. Georgia, like you go to Atlanta, it is diverse, and you go to uh, all parts of Georgia, a lot more cosmopolitan than you would think, because there, there are a lot of people transplants from the East Coast. Yeah. But man, there's fucking scary parts of Georgia. Um, I'm sure. We drove through that with just way too many Confederate flags hanging to make me feel yeah. um, comfortable at all. Yeah. I can and, imagine, man. And so that was different. You wouldn't have that in Arizona, but um, in Arizona. Think, but even is, in Arizona, there was a lot of that. Really? More than I would, more than you'd think. Yeah. Yeah. More than you think, it's it's pretty. It's one of those gray states, but it's right. definitely more conservative and and old fashioned than. Oh, well, especially Flagstaff too, because it's a little bit. Uh, I wouldn't say upper scale, but it's it's more than than like say it's a like rural. It's more rural town. Okay. Up there, yeah. yeah. It's like a lot of like horse ranches and. Um, yeah, so we can describe it. it's like a rural town. There's a little downtown, it's a few blocks, and the rest is just forest you know um nevada you know that was the location we thought about too but it, it would negate the purpose of coming to california to be with my family and my kids and stuff yeah but um nevada um it, just saying that makes me think of thomas marolda yeah which yeah. and um i released a, a silly song uh called seven sign recently and he actually hit me as soon as it, i released it and goes hey man that's a cool acoustic well, uh, that's awesome yeah that I, dude's that's the cool acoustic guitar sound on that. And I, and I said, uh, it means a lot coming from you, but I said, I'm a real hack when it comes to um, uh, recording and engineering and everything. And he, he's a gentleman, so I know he probably thinks I'm a hack too, but he said, no, no, no your stuff sounds great. But um, it, it just made me think, because you know, uh, we had t spoken last time and, and it was a small world that I had just done an interview with Thomas Marolda and, and uh, do you still have that, that record? And, and yeah, all, yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> Dude, the Toms are like top 10 bands for me of all time. Yeah, he just, he just hit me up that not long ago. And I need to, uh, he still, you know, offered me the uh, uh, invitation to come see a studio. And I never have done that. So I need to get out there now that I'm yeah. close. Yeah, you're really close now. It's like four he's hour in, uh, drive? Yeah, Three, he's, in Summer, he's in Somerville. Cool. So it's a little bit further, I think, but... Uh, it's it's still close enough to make that happen. Yeah. But uh Yeah, that guy's kind of a genius in my opinion. Yeah, he's very successful. He 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 made a lot of his uh his money in in uh music soundtracks like in the yeah. 80s and whatnot and and he was very much like you. So he 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 started off in uh I think at the time he was in Brooklyn and the only reason he got into that business was somebody said, "Hey, I know a guy who does all that kind of stuff, and he was doing it all himself. But he was cutting tape. Yeah, yeah. Right? Way old school. <laughs> yeah, so, and ping-ponging. Yeah. Which uh, which I have some familiarity with, with yeah. old Porta Studios and stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> but uh, and you, you probably, you're, you're kind of a funny guy because even though you're so much younger, you, you, you know a lot of the older, um, you know, you seem to know, be in touch with a lot of not only older music, but also older forms of recording or at least know about it and yeah, you know, I mean, analog just, stuff and all that. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of my first records I did purposely on tape and purposely ping ponged. Oh yeah. And purposely did it the old fashioned way because I like the way it sounds. Yeah. It sounded more real to me. I've been thinking about going back and doing more recordings like that. It's definitely, um, like, because it's, it's kind of hit hit or miss 
you definitely yeah, have some happy accidents. Like you, get, some sound yeah. happens and you go, how the how the hell did that, did that occur? You know. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's kind of exciting about doing all that kind Absolutely, of stuff. Absolutely, man. I love that shit. I've been thinking a lot about getting a little Porta, like old Porta Studio or something like that. Old Tascam or something. Yeah, I did my very first album on that, and uh, it was really fun. And then I just went straight to the computer from there. Yeah, <laughs> less to haul around. Yeah, right. Easier. It's just I'm lazy. You had a pretty big board or something what you were using when I saw you up there when it, with Karen the Lesbians. I remember of like, yeah, you had we, some yeah, pretty yeah. big. It was it was cheap little like. Yamaha board. It was the MC2404. That's what it was called. I love that thing. The good thing about that old stuff, though, White, is you could pick it up cheap. But yeah, then you that can still board, do that board was like a hundred bucks or something. Yeah, like that. but you but you can do interesting things with it. You know, yeah. it doesn't have all the bells and whistles and. No, but it's got you know some sound characteristics that you just can't get right. plugging into a computer. Um, the problem I have is when like when I tried to do my projects. I liked how it sounded when the DAWs program was playing it in playback. When it rendered it, something's got lost in my ears. And that's the hardest part for me, the mastering, you know? Interesting. And so I even thought, this sounds crazy, but I even thought the next project I do, because I'm planning on doing an EP soon, because I have like 35 songs like Dang. written. Holy shit. Yeah. And I'm going to try to pick the, the ones that, you know, there's a lot of shit in there. But um, I thought of actually mixing to, to the, the way I like the sound, get some high-quality speakers and recording that. Does that sound weird? <laughs> like actually making a box and recording in stereo, in a stereo mic, just out of speakers. Because when I render, it seems like the data, something happens to it. Yeah, it could be. You could do that. It might sound pretty cool. But I, I, it'd be an interesting I also experiment. think the rendering what you're maybe it's a it's gonna sound nerdy, but could be a bit rate thing. Maybe. Could be a buffer size thing. Um because I even for a simple song when I use a boatload of tracks. I'll use like twenty five tracks yeah, or you something. You might for wanna I, I, I'm guessing it's your buffer size. It used to happen to me and then I would when I record, I record in a really low buffer size, and then when I mix, I put it at its highest buffer size. Ah. Um, and that seemed to work, do the trick for me. I might have to uh, get your yeah. expertise. What, what, what software do you use? Yeah, I'm embarrassed to say Reaper. No, Reaper's great, man. <laughs> in the, uh, there's a setup window in Reaper you just go to, and yeah. it'll say, buff there's usually a button you can click that says buffer size, and you can flip between like 100 to 2,000 or whatever. So... I would mess with going all the way to 2,000 be really? before you bounce a song when you're adding a bunch of like plugins and stuff. Probably, okay. probably is the trick. Because a lot of times it's defaulted really low so you can record really easily. You can't really record when the buffer size is really high. I Something would assume you're super organized. No, not You're really. not? No. Because like the, um, the two albums, like if I was going to try to do that and take the, 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 mat, you know, the, the mixed... And try that. Some of them I probably don't don't have anymore. I'm so yeah. poorly organized. I'm the same way. I'm, I'm I would like, try that though. Actually, it might sound really, especially if you like recorded it onto like a, a tape deck or something. It could sound really cool. Yeah, I I thought I go. You know, if I like it. I like it in my uh, loud in my monitor speakers. I go. Why don't I just record that? And my buddy's like, 
you know, you're stupid. That's a stupid no, way to I do wouldn't. it. And I go, why not if it works? You know, like I, I'm, try it I'm all about the end result. Yeah. So I don't care if, if something's done. You know, some of the coolest uh, songs that people send me, they're recorded so poorly, but there's something about them. Yeah, there's just like a Some charming, essence. you know. Yeah. yeah. I would say fucking try it. Yeah. You never know. Maybe you start a whole different style of fucking <laughs> recording. You know? I, who knows? Hey, I'll, I'm up for anything, man. I'll be uh, picking at your brain and stuff. And if you ever, um, w- when you do the main recording, is that the studio right there? No, I'll have to show you. I'll, I'll show you. It's, yeah, it's next I'd love to, to see it. And if you're recording anybody and the band's cool with it, um, I'd love to just kind of watch you do your stuff sometimes. Yeah, man. I actually have, um, oh, I think it's Thursday or Friday. I have a session coming up if you want to come hang out. I cool. think it's Thursday for Friday, something like that. But thanks for being on the podcast, man. Like, hey, thanks I, so much for coming. I totally appreciate it. I hope I didn't babble too much or too long. No, man, this is great. It's yeah. really nice talking to you. Come back more. We should do two more episodes. Yeah, and if I do get that person I was talking about, maybe I could figure out figure on coming here. Yeah, just you I'm got trying to get somebody that I'll tell you off the air um, too, but. Uh, I've been dealing with their publicist for about three years. Holy shit. And uh, it's a big band, but it's just hard to get in. Paul McCartney? Or? No, no, no. <laughs> it's kind of like my Paul McCartney. Although oh, okay. I, Interesting. Have you ever get to see that dude live, Paul McCartney? I saw him from a fucking... He played Dodger Stadium, and I went to, up to like Elysian Park. There's like a hill where you can kind of <laughs> see in. You like saw him like uh, I saw, illegally, I saw, man. I saw him up on a hill, and he was playing, and we were facing the Jumbotron. It was oh. his giant face. That was as close as I ever got. Yeah, my my daughter, that uh, my aforementioned daughter, got to see him, and I was like, "You saw Paul McCartney?" And uh, it was seemed like an odd choice in a way, but it was not an odd choice because who would not see Paul McCartney? He's but, He's a uh, god. Yeah. Hey, man, I appreciate it. I don't want to start babbling oh, again. Oh, man, no worries. Thanks, your, uh, thanks for coming by. Hey. Seriously. Awesome, it's a pleasure, man. man.